We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 69, and joining us, we have not one, but two very special guests from the Orange and Brown Report, newest podcast, the Not the Same Old Browns Podcast, Andy Lytle, and his new co-host, Stephen Thomas. We're going to talk all things Browns. The horribly comedic past of this iteration of the Browns to the incredibly promising future and everything in between. Uh, So come on up the driveway. Pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open your favorite cold one, and join us for Garage Beer. There we go, and welcome on in, everybody. It is episode 69. Nice. Hey-o. Of the Garage Beers podcast here, brought to you on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go check out Belly Up Sports. But as you can see, if you're joining us live, we've got we got a full a full room here. We got a full garage uh, for this week's episode. We're really excited about it. We're gonna get into some Browns talk. We haven't spent a ton of time on the past few episodes, but we're gonna dive deep into the Browns uh, in a totally not entertaining way. I'm sure with these couple guys we've got on the podcast. But before we get to our special guests, let's send it around the horn. Uh, with us regulars and with you as always i'm your host michael key find me online at garage beers mike over on the east side of cleveland joining us from his porch the porch garage it's chad meyer at garage beers chad what's up chad set of a stephen king film what you guys decide i don't know i'm on a rabbit hole today guys yep yeah. All right. So, yeah, Stephen, yeah. there was something about the Stephen King film. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I big big King fan as well. Can't argue. You know what, Chad? Like the I Stephen wanted. King film, we can take that from whatever he yeah. just said. But you know, we'll, we'll get him back in. We'll figure it out. Uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee, find him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? I'm never in like the center of the live stream. <laughs> yeah. nice. I feel like I got a lot of power here. <laughs> you don't it's very fitting to put the most talkative person in the middle but let's do it the center square on hollywood square yeah that's what that uh, is. Mm. yeah find out what you want after the show <laughs> circle gets the square <laughs> uh so joe thinks he's wielding power he is not uh and and we are very excited 
We've got a very, very uh, special couple of guests here who just made a major announcement yesterday, uh, and they've got some big things going on. If you're a Browns fan and you're on Twitter, you know these guys. Uh, and they are teaming up uh, officially now on the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report, uh, to take on the Not the Same Old Browns podcast, a podcast that Andy Lytle, our first special guest, uh, started a couple months ago, and, and now Stephen Thomas, our other special guest, has joined. So, Andy, you can find him online at Andy Cleves with the little fun uh, underscore thing there at the end to just to make things complicated. Yeah, and, I know. And you can find Stephen at uh, at Brown's Mock Drafts. Andy and Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. We are very, I was, very I excited. was really looking forward to um, mostly looking forward tonight to meeting and having in-depth discussions with Chad. So I'm really excited about yes. Um, you know, the, the possibilities with the internet and everything else. It's, it's, yeah. I'm, we like I'm fired to, up. We like to run this, uh, podcast like a Mad Lib. So you kind of get into the word. Hurry up. Somebody give me a verb. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Chad, Chad's having some tech issues. It happens. Uh, it happens. I feel bad it. for him. I feel bad. It happens. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell him to stick with it. We're not quitters here on the Garage Beers podcast. Yeah, I'm trying. just glad it's not the oldest guy. I, the, you guys would be relentless if it was me. So I'm just glad it's not me. Hey, listen, don't make assumptions about Chad's age. He could very well be the <laughs> oldest guy. I, I would be shocked. Yeah. So, guys, uh, we're going to get into what you guys have going on. Uh, the Not the Same Old Browns podcast, which I think it was episode 14. Uh, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, yep. This most recent one, which was the first one featuring the new uh, the new official host, uh, Stephen Thomas, which is really exciting. We'll get into all that with you guys going on. And then obviously we're going to talk into the uh, talk about the Browns. But before we get into that, uh, we've got to get to one of our most important things we do every week. Uh, and that is our garage beers of the week segment where we basically just send it around the horn. We talk about what beers we're drinking this week. Uh, give it, uh, give it a little review and, and we'll move on from there. We usually start it with our special guests. Uh, and so we'll go, I'll go this way. Andy, I'm going to let you go first uh, oh. with your garage beer of the week this week. Perfect. Um, it, 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 it's got a hint of cherry. Uh, it's got a crispness to it. It's it's very refreshing. Um, they're very hard to get. Um, oh, luckily, no. my gas station right at the corner of my house had it. <laughs> um, I am drinking because I am on keto for like two months and I'm trying to be I almost broke it for you guys. But I'm like, you know, I can't. I can't. They're not that important. And then I. <laughs> we appreciate you for that Thank i have you. a black cherry white claw um oh, it dude. is a refreshing spiked sparkling water um like i said i'm surprised my gas station ha- had it because you cannot find this really anywhere that's um, an elite gas station i've never yeah, heard of it elite it yeah, uh, it's beautiful. This is the black cherry flavor. They come in several flavor flavors. Has five percent alcohol, um, so it'll hit it. And it's it's a weird sizing though. It says instead of you know it'll say twenty two ounce or twenty four ounce. This says one point one pint and three point two full ounces. So it's nine. 19.2 full ounces total. Well, so, um, yeah, and I'm going to, it is, I believe, and I'm going to crack <laughs> this thing open and we're going to see what happens. Ah, my goodness. It's like, <laughs> it, it is like white velvet on your tongue. It is unbelievable. 
So yeah, that's what I'm rocking. A black cherry white claw. And I will be the bitch of the group. It's fine. <laughs> God, there's so many bitches in this group that I don't know if you're going to take that title. Oh, <laughs> I went out swinging. Listen, that is, like I said, an elite gas station find. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen that anywhere. Uh, so congratulations to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. was very proud. Don't drink them all. Just save a couple for his collector's items because, you know, they're, they're rare. Put it on eBay. It's very rare. <laughs> I love it. We're going to bring, hold on. We got it. We got one of our, uh, one of our friends of the show, Dom over here. He's sharing with us that he's drinking a Masshead Brewing Company Summerfest Fest beer. Uh, Don, Don ordered his, uh, or Dom ordered his, uh, his garage beers hat today. So I'm going to send ah, that out to him tomorrow. So thanks, nice. for, thanks for that order, Dom. We wanted to yeah. shout you out. Very cool. Joe's, Joe's repping the hat. Sweet. Oh, yeah. All right, Steven, I don't know how you're going to follow that up. Uh, uh, how you're going to follow up a white claw, but we're going to send it to you. What's your graph here this week? Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm normally a, I'm a bigger wine drinker, but for you guys, I went out and I bought, this is a, uh, it's a North coast brewing company. Uh, and it is, it's called brother Thelonious Ooh. and it's a Belgian style Abbey ale. Uh, yes, I have not yes. tried it yet. Uh, but it's named after, and as you can see, has a picture of Felonius Monk on the label. So oh, how can I go wrong? I mean, I love it when you talk dirty, Big Daddy. I know. That's why I do it. Let's see here. Hmm, beery. Oh, yeah. No, it's good. It's kind of um, not quite a, a, a stout, but it's definitely darker. It's definitely. Uh, it's not an an amber or anything like that. It's good. Sure. Yeah. It's beer. I mean, it's it's um, it's not cherry. It's not black cherry because I have testicles. But um, <laughs> correct, it's it's, it's pretty correct. good. Yeah, <laughs> it's black cherry. Okay, yeah. there's a difference. That's man cherry, right? Very there. manly. It is man cherry. Damn right. All right, so that's a good one. We love that. Uh, Joe, let's send it down to Nashville. Joe, what's your garage beer of the week? Um, I have, I don't really know what the brewery is or what the beer is, but wow. things of mm. that nature by scapegoat or Ooh. scapegoat by things of that nature. Uh, either way, it's a nice little IPA. I went to, uh, Gainesville, Georgia last weekend for a wedding and came back with some beers. Uh, half of those beers I didn't know were sour. So, um, I came back and I have a bunch of sours in my fridge now that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I love uh, that. really yeah. good. That can is awesome. This is one of the ones that we like. Ooh, yeah, there you go. That can is sexy. Oh, so. Uh, So, yeah, Joe, sexy can Joe. That's what we call him here on the podcast. So that's naturally new Twitter handle for you. Uh, (laughs) So that'll bring it over to me until Chad gets back here. When Chad gets back here, we'll let him tell us what he's drinking. Hopefully he's drinking a lot at this point. Uh, So, guys, we've had a thing. We've had a running thing here for the past month. I've dedicated myself to drinking a beer that has somebody's first name in the title of the beer, which sounds like it's an easy thing. But I had to, like, drive a little bit today to find a beer that had somebody's first name. And I'm a little nervous about this one. They have everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Let me know the address of that gas station. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm a little nervous about this one. The name of this beer is Hot Mary. Ooh. Oh, ooh. Hot oh, yeah. Mary. It's Arche Brewing, which I think is down in Akron. Yep, Akron. Sexy. It is a double New England IPA ooh. with with habanero. Ooh. Ooh. 
So uh, and it is spilling everywhere. It is literally Mike is spilling taking it up a notch, baby. I like it. And I don't have anything to clean it with. So we're just gonna let it spill and then figure That'll it dry. out from there. It'll dry. Don't worry. It's just it's just in an office here. It's fine. Oh, uh, so it sounds like it's gonna be spicy. Chad's back. So he's giving this another go. Sounds like it's going to be spicy. Oh, I need more of these. My wife's giving me paper towels because she heard me making a mess in here. I need a lot of them. Uh, it's pretty good, guys. It's. I was worried that the habanero was going to be like crazy. Is it spicy? There's definitely the spiciness of like a habanero pepper, huh? but like it's not. Oh God, there's there's the paper towel. Uh, but it's not. <laughs> guys, this is going about as well as it always does for us. <laughs> Uh, you guys are clearly our good luck charm. Uh, it's good. It's just it's more of the flavor and less of the heat, but it's really good. So, hey, Chad, if you can hear us and you want to chime in with your garage beer of the week, what are you drinking? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Chad. Such oh, I'm here, guys. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> no, you, have to, you have to wait at least 30 seconds before, like, trying to mm-hmm. talk to get us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, am I, am I delayed? Like, am I good? You're, no, good, you're good now. Go, you're good. Go, Garage Wait, beer. All right. Well, I, I guess I better go fast. Well, I'm going to go to Great Lakes Beer Company right now. Uh, you're guys, and I'm doing a lemon Hefeweizen. It's pretty good. Okay. Lemon Hefeweizen. Chad got a whole sentence in. So we are coming around to our normal selves here. Uh, so Chad's got a Hefeweizen. Uh, the rest of us have some pretty good beers and Andy just with the very rare find of the black cherry, uh, white claw. Thank you for bringing that on with us. Uh, I feel like such a man. Every time I take a sip, I can only imagine how much you had to pay for that. Uh, The, the, the the toxic masculinity that I, (laughs) (laughs) it's a can of toxic masculinity. That's Picky up, Andy. Picky up. (laughs) (laughs) all right those are our garage beers of the week now that we can get back into normal life here those are our garage beers of the week let us know what you're drinking if you're following us here on the live stream let us know what you're drinking if you're listening to us let us know what your garage beers this uh, is this week and we if you have any suggestions we'll go find them so let us know on our pages what you're drinking and what we should try and we'll go get them and give you a shout out as well so again if you're just jumping in Super exciting episode we've got going on this week. Uh, again, episode 69. It's going to be a very heavy Browns uh, uh, featured episode with our awesome special guests, the two hosts of the Not the Same Old Browns podcast, Andy Lytle, Stephen Thomas. Uh, and that's on the OBR now, which is also really cool. Uh, we've had uh, we've had Jake uh, from the OBR uh, join us on the show a little bit. He's a he's a good time. So we you guys do awesome work over there. So, guys, let's start with you. Uh, before we get into the Browns and all the fun stuff we have to talk about there, let's just, uh, uh, let's get to know you guys a little bit better. Andy, uh, again, both of you guys have been around the, the Brown scene for a long time, especially on Twitter. Sure. Uh, what prompted you? Cause you started the, not the same old Browns podcast back in March. What kind of prompted you to do that? What was the idea behind it? And, and what kind of gave you the kick in the pants to get started? Well, I, I, it's funny cause I've kind of wanted to do a Browns podcast since probably 2014, 2015. And ironically, I asked Steven about that way back then. Yeah. And he just told me, yeah, just piss off, man. I'm, I'm too busy for your shenanigans. Standard. And, and I wasn't that nice. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that that was the nice version. Um, and truth be told, I I probably didn't have time either. Uh, I had I was I had another career then. I was I was doing mortgage. I was a loan officer in Los Angeles and real estate stuff. Um, really stuff that I just didn't really enjoy doing. So in 2018, I started dabbling in content creation. Uh, it all started with streaming on Twitch. Uh, to date now, I have over 3,500 hours streamed on Twitch since 2018. Uh, I started a horror movie podcast in 2019. I still, we just dropped episode 126 on that this week. And it's my two biggest passions growing up as a kid. And even now as an adult, nothing's changed. Uh, we're, we're Cleveland sports and movies. So I already had the horror movie podcast. So I'm like, I love the Browns. I got to do this. And a couple friends kind of psyched me up to do it. I raced to launch. I literally made the decision that I was going to do it three weeks before the first episode. So I had to have like music intro made. I had to cut this, edit that, get all the logo, (laughs) this logo made. Like I was racing and I wanted to get it launched uh, by March 15th, which is, which is right when free agency was about to take off. Yes. So I did. I got episode one dropped. And ironically, Stephen was my first guest. And I even asked Stephen then if he wanted to co-host with me. So this is twice now that he said, no, piss off, you idiot. And I wasn't that nice. <laughs> again, the nice version. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. I pretty much what Steven and I talked about then was, uh, he, you know, he, he's, he's waist deep, neck deep in draft stuff, especially during that time of the year. So, you know, he's like, after the draft, what's, what's, what's revisit this. And, uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. And, uh, I ended up talking to Lane Atkins about possibly taking the podcast over to the OBR lanes a really good dude. He's an insider for the OBR. I had Lane on in my show in episode seven. It was an awesome time. <laughs> and I pretty much, you know, I, I, I knew Steven. I had a feeling that Steven would, would, would join me if I could get the show over to the OBR. And that's pretty much what we did. And, you know, I, I'm just happy to have Steven because he, he and I have similar sense of humors. Um, and not to mention, he, he hates this, but he's really he's he's very knowledgeable. He knows he knows his stuff about the draft. Like I called him a guru the other night. He wanted to kill me. But it, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's true. He is. And he hates that term. But it's true. He's really good at what he does. But he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, but it's like it's like he told me, I, I, I don't take myself seriously, but you take the preparation seriously. So naturally, it was a good fit to bring Steven on. And I'm just beyond I, I, I beyond grateful and excited that that we were able to take the show over to the OBR and not only just that, that I could bring on a pal that I've known for about eight years from Twitter, um, who I know will be a good fit with me to come on and co-host. So, yeah, that's pretty much my backstory. The last three years, I just really, really have gotten waist deep in content creation and I love it. And it's definitely something that I'm going to continue to pursue and do. OK, so, Stephen, like, how does it make you feel? to continuously know that this was basically all just one ploy to get you on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, like it's the first time I've ever been lusted after. Come on, look at me. <laughs> I mean, I, I deal with this my whole life, man. Sometimes pretty is a curse, okay? <laughs> Everybody thinks my life is so easy because I'm gorgeous and sexy. No, it, 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 it's a pisser. It really is. <laughs> 
Like you said, though, you got those New Balances going. You, 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 you've kind of figured out that middle-aged dad thing you got going you. on, man. It's- if there's a 25-year-old woman on Twitter that isn't ravenously turned on by a middle-aged, <laughs> paunchy, gray-haired, married dad in cargo shorts and New Balance, I haven't met her yet, and I don't want to. You know, I mean, who wants to be with somebody like that? <laughs> No, so I mean, pretty much everything Andy said is true. We we met in via Brown's Twitter actually during the 2013-2014 yeah. era, the Josh Gordon that that type of era. Yeah, and, the man you know, times. Over then, you know, ever since then we've been, you know, friends online. He came to see my show once uh when I was performing at uh, Brad Garrett's Comedy Club at the MGM in Vegas and that's I think that's the only time we've met in person. Isn't yeah, it? actually. Yeah, yep, that's it. Yep. Um, but we just been talking, you know, back and forth. And I just, because I was on the road so much with comedy, I just, I never wanted to be the guy that commit. I, I didn't want to tell Andy, yeah, I'll host a show with you and then be gone four out of every five episodes. I, I don't want to be that guy, you know? And so then the pandemic hit, Barry contacted me. I moved my draft stuff over to the OBR, which was a blessing and just a blast. And I had so much fun. And uh, now that I'm a little bit more entrenched in this world and I won't have to go out as much whenever comedy comes back, I, I said, OK, I think I've got the time that I'll be happy with my commitment because that's at the end of the day, that's the thing. I don't want to ever let anybody else down. And I so I'd never promise things that I can't deliver on. And um, this I'm pretty sure I can I can deliver uh, on my promise. Cause really, I mean, Andy, the way he pitched me was he's going to be, uh, you know, the, the host, the, the main producer, the brains, I just have to be the eye candy. So, you know, I, <laughs> I can handle that. Yeah. So you throw on your best Browns Hawaiian shirt and watch the viewers come in. I, yeah, I, I roll out of bed looking like this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing like a 12 year old. <laughs> but, but, if, if it's any consolation, Stephen, I'm turned on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I already knew that, but you know, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I pulled a classic out of the closet for this episode. Ah, hey, Cribs, I love it. Yeah. Nice. Well, especially what this week on Twitter, the video was going around for yeah around for a couple of days of his like all of his return touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Can we? Awesome. That guy. I don't know. Does anybody talk about him enough? No, I don't think so. I feel like when he was like in his heyday with the Browns in my head, I was always like, how can they, how can they can't get this guy the ball more? Yeah. It, it's and always bothered like, me. So good. It, it always bothers me. And, and, and not, not anything against Devin Hester. He's, he's, you know, he's one of the best return men of all time, if not the best, but I feel like he got so much love and Cribs just got none from national. Well, part of that, too, was because, you know, uh, he was there for the Bears Super Bowl run, wasn't yeah. he? I mean, they, yeah. they were competitive yeah. and winning and we or were the spotlight pile of garbage. So, you know, yeah. we, we, we were staying in games because of our kick and punt on that video. How many of those games were like 10 to seven? We were losing yeah. and then he just takes a touchdown. You're like, all right, we're winning. Right. Yeah. The biggest difference. Yeah. With Hester. Uh, yeah, like you said, Super Bowl run, but like every Cribs return touchdown is as exciting as I was, as as out of as out of my seat as I was, I, I still went, fuck, did we score too quick? 
Like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You watch, you watch Cribs and you watch, you know, Josh Gordon's big year. And you're like, you're watching the play and you're like, God, that was such a great play. And then your eyes drift down to the score at the bottom of the screen. You're like, oh, shit, that's right. We got the hell kicked out of us that day. That's yeah. Right. I this. yeah. You know? or, or we took the lead with 48 seconds left, right. just knowing yeah. what was about to happen. Exactly. Uh, I think the other thing with Hester, though, a little bit, not to talk about Devin Hester forever, but like the Bears found like just even the most minuscule ways to have him in involved in the offense, right? right? Like they'd give him like swing passes or end arounds and he'd make plays. The Browns just could never, they tried to do the, the wild freaking cat. wild cat. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> and it never worked. And, and I think that was the other part of it. So yeah, but man, that video was awesome. So I love your shirt. Oh, thank you. I forgot to wear anything Browns, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to new, to know you guys. We've heard your story, how the podcast came together. Uh, and, and again, congratulations to both of you on it. Uh, and Andy, for you, the idea and then getting picked up by the OBR man, uh, you know, as a Cleveland guy and, Thanks, and, and Steven, you, you on the OBR as well as, as Cleveland guys and as Browns fans, the OBR is, is it's one of the, one of the few places to be really. I mean, if you're going to join an organization, it's, it's an elite Browns coverage organization. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I love what you guys bring to it, right? Because we've talked about some of the other guys over there. So, you know, Jake Burns and his, and his film breakdowns, it's the craziest oh, yeah. stuff. You know, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. and, and Fred and his, and his writing and his, his beat reporting. But I love that you guys are going to bring some of the comedy and, and still the smart Browns intelligent conversation to the, to the show. Uh, that's, that's really cool. So congratulations to you guys. Thanks, uh, man. I, I always thought that they were like a top-notch publication too and they you know they got people like steven and jake burns and 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 lane atkins but then then they bring me on and then they just that they're idiots i mean i don't know what the hell they were thinking to be quite honest. They, well, they, brought me on, they brought me on a year ago and uh i drove down the property values in the neighborhood <laughs> right. which allowed you so to andy could yeah. Uh-huh. yeah 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 it was the guy named management or something that's what, <laughs> that's what steven and i talked about in our first episode together here to just dropped and it's like at the i think it was at the end of the episode i'm like can you believe this can you imagine in 2013 2014 if you and i if, if i told you you and i both would be with the obr like right. what yeah it's it, it, it's wild I, I feel very lucky i do i feel i feel lucky and i i appreciate barry and and lane and everyone in there to believe in the show and believe in me and i'm just looking forward to get to work man because we're, we're going to be doing a lot of other stuff besides bringing the podcast that was part of the deal we can't really like talk about it yet because it's not for sure yet but basically i'm going to be taking on and steven as well we're going to be doing some uh, a lot of uh live stream hosting and producing and stuff okay. like that so that's that that's definitely somewhere where awesome. i'm gonna come that's where i'd be looking for me down the road with the obr is taking on that kind of a role for that's sure. awesome yeah. uh we're we also want to have lane on at some point but only when that can be the exclusive george coquinas episode yeah. <laughs> and he is not ready for that yet so. no He's not ready. I tried to. I tried to get the story of Bill Belichick, and I I tried to get the story of Belichick and Bernie fighting in the tunnel, and he wouldn't even tell me that. So Mm. he's he is locked jawed with that stuff. He is. (laughs) Wait, wait. Can Lane? Can Lane discuss internal business? Can Lane discuss internal business? Oh, maybe, maybe. You never know. Give him the right bourbon, and I yeah. think ah, yeah, we will have a bourbon episode. Oh, okay, there you go. yeah, <laughs> bourbons and George Coquinas with Lane Atkins. I like that. <laughs> I like that. 
all right, boys. So let's get into a little bit. Let's get into a little bit of the Browns. Uh, let's let uh, and and it's so funny. It's funny that you bring up PS. Side note, and and Stephen, you said you're good at this. I'm exquisite at this as well. Just going totally off topic. You keep bringing up 2013. We were talking about this before we came on. That 2013 is where Stephen and I wrote for a very weird website right. uh, together covering Cleveland sports. So I looked it up on Twitter. It was called Man Bites Dog. And the only article that I saw that I had written that like came up at any point, like Stephen, you were an excellent like cheerleader because you kept doing like follow these guys. And that was great. Uh, I wrote an article about why the Cavs were lucky to have Luke Walton on the team. (laughs) 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 Fucking what? (laughs) It's it's amazing that website didn't take off. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, this is this is a perfect spot for us to come and be guests because they're morons just like us, Stephen. Oh, (laughs) I know. I know. We need to pitch this to Barry, (laughs) sir. You. Sir, you give us too much credit. Morons <laughs> is a kind term for what we got going on here. My God, uh, so Luke Walton was on that team. When I watched Luke Walton play, I felt like you could like find him at any Y, like YMCA, play him. Like, like, like he just had the oversized like jersey with like the like super saggy shorts, and he had like the old man orthotic like basketball shoes. Chad, yes. like what? I took time out of my life to write <laughs> a fucking <laughs> article about him. I know, I know you did. You know how much money I made off of that? Zero dollars, brother. You know, you're gonna take Luke. I don't want to take Luke. Make <laughs> your brother play. Oh, that's, oh yeah. my goodness! <laughs> right, that's awesome. Uh, all right, boys. So let's let's get to know you on your Brown stuff a little bit more. Let's get to know you guys a little bit more uh, as far as uh, your Browns fandom, where it comes from, all of that. And let's start with just some early questions. So we've all been Browns fans forever. Uh, everybody on the show has been Browns fans forever. Uh, so what's your two part question? And this can go to everybody because I don't think we've ever done this on the podcast. What's your earliest Browns memory and what's your favorite Browns memory? Hmm. Pain. <laughs> um, is that earliest and favorite? <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly most persistent and most recent. Yeah. That was my really bad Clubber Lang Rocky Three. <laughs> Pain. Um, ah, geez. My my first memory, honestly, is the drive. Um, that's what hooked me that season. That was the first year that I really watched that I vaguely remember, and I do remember that game. Uh, so the pain. Um, favorite, favorite memory. Um, I'm not going to say the last, the move because I was at the last game and I know Steven was, as was as well. Um, favorite memory. Um, I'll go a game. I attended the Eric Metcalf two punt returns against the, against the Steelers. I was at that game. I've never heard a Brown stadium quite that loud on that second punt return. It was bedlam. Absolute, like you could feel old municipal shaking, like you could feel it. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably my in person at the game and probably overall favorite memory. Honestly, this wild card game that we just had, where we beat beat the shit out of the Steelers, Uh, that would probably that's got to be up there, uh, for sure. But yeah, probably those, those are probably good choices. How about you, Steven? Uh, I'm a bit older than Andy, uh, so my my stuff goes back a little further. My my dad loves to tell the story. He's told me this uh, forever. Um, 
apparently he held me on his lap uh, to watch the very first Monday night football game ever Browns jets in 1970. Yeah. I was about six months old at the time. He, he loves to say we sat and watched that game together. I'm pretty sure at six months old, I pooped and <laughs> cried and went to sleep. I'm not, I'm not sure how much I watched, but so he loves to tell that story. Uh, but I don't really remember it, you know? Uh, so my, my first actual memory, I, honestly, it's probably the Packer game of the cardiac kids year. Um, uh, you know, when, uh, Dave Logan somehow got behind everybody with 20 whatever yeah. seconds left for a 50 yep. yard touchdown to win. And then the next week they beat the Steelers with a big fourth quarter comeback too. And that was like, it was huge because they hadn't beaten the Steelers in forever. I think like five yeah. years or something since they yeah. beat them. So it was a massive, massive thing. And I remember going into school the next day and just, you know, flaunting it finally in this fucking Steeler kid's face. <laughs> uh, then of course they went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So it kind of backfired on me. But, <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember that. And th that was like the first, the Packer game, I think, as, as far as I recall, was when everybody started to go, hey, maybe this team is different. You know, that was like the first one that it started to feel a little special. So that's probably my earliest. Um, now, as far as going in person, I went to a few games earlier, but my first year of season tickets was when Belichick was here in 91. So that's probably nice. where my in-person stuff. And my, actually, I said my favorite memory was i picked the same game i mean i could have said run william run um or you know some other stuff but as far as being there in person it was that metcalf game because yeah. our seats were we sat six rows behind uh big dog john Tom john thompson in that lower as you look at it lower right corner of the mm -hmm. old dog yeah. down and, and that's where he scored on that second one and that night you said it was like I remember the next morning i went home the next morning my girlfriend at the time was like how was it and i said well now i know what it's like to be in a prison riot you know, yeah. the, the old dog pound was a different animal, man. It, it was, was deafening. It was, I mean, Schillinger, Schillinger lived in the old dog pound. Okay. <laughs> that's how, that's what it was like. And they don't do this anymore. I don't think, but you guys are, you remember it was, it was literally bleachers. I don't think they make bleachers anymore. It was just no. long pieces of wood and wood, you could right. jump and you could feel it bowing like a trampoline. It was just wildly unsafe. <laughs> you know, because it was a, 20, 30 foot drop underneath to concrete. You know, there was just nothing there except, oh, here's a good story. The guy's next to me one time. This is a, actually a famous story, and I was there for it because there was nothing underneath. It was just empty space underneath there. Yep. We didn't like getting up from our seats and missing the game to go to the bathroom. So these guys, bro, you remember those long tubes that you would swing around and they would go, oh, yeah. You know? They brought one of those and they would oh, do yeah. that. But then when they got to, had to go to the bathroom, they would put one end out the bottom and they would stick their winky in the other end and just pee. <laughs> and they caught them on security camera. And so we're standing there in the middle of yes. the game and all of a sudden, and it wasn't stadium security. CPD fucking showed up, right? Oh, no. <laughs> Damn and we're standing there going, holy shit, what do we do? You know, and they dragged all these guys off and we were like, all right, well, that's their problem. Whatever. You know, and can you leave but, that thing? I might have to pee. So I that? never did that. I, I must say, I know I was like, okay, I'm gross, and, but that's too gross for me. I, I never did that. Um, <laughs> so that's probably my favorite for that. I, you said one that you weren't there in person for Andy. If I could say one that I wasn't there in person yeah. for, it was probably from the last four minutes of the Jets game, the marathon by the lake through yeah. the touchdown to Brian Brennan the following week, the touchdown to Brian Brennan yeah. threw up 20 to oh, 13. Yeah was the happiest I've ever been in my entire life as a Browns fan. <laughs> that was the highest moment that I've, cause I was, it was it. I was convinced this was it yeah. and we were going, it was over. Yeah. 
And then, of course, we all know what happened. So, but yeah, those are probably my two favorite moments that I haven't been in person to see. I like that you and I went to a lot of because you and I both went to the last game before they moved, and we were both at the Metcalf game. That's crazy. And we small world, ain't it? No, still like I still have my seat. We took a yeah. handsaw and took out our uh, bleacher yep. seats. Yep. We did I just it got the, the first quarter. part. Yes. We yes. did it in the first quarter. We we sawed our seats. <laughs> and, the, and then we were like standing there and we went, oh, shit, we would have waited. Should have waited to the fourth quarter. What the hell are we going to do now? <laughs> I will say the last game before they moved on, on December 17th, 1995, it was my dad's 39th birthday and which is how old I am now. And the, it, like that fourth quarter, Steven, you remember all mm-hmm. you could hear dude was rack, 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 rack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone had brought their hardware. I mean, you could hear it through echoing yeah. through the entire stadium. People with sledgehammers, saws, yeah. whatever they brought in to rip. I saw dudes. I saw dudes literally after the game with a section of a six of feet. Yeah. 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 A row. And there's yeah. like four dudes like loaded <laughs> into a freaking bed of a Chevy <laughs> truck, man. You think it's about the wildest it, shit it, I've terms- ever seen. Of today's world, right? Not only not only getting that stuff into the stadium would be impossible, but you think about how crazy everybody. It's amazing there was no, and you hate to say this, but it's amazing there were no shots taken or like yeah. violence in the stands yeah. or stuff. It really is kind of amazing that none of that yeah. happened. It's emotionally it was, charged. Well, it was, as all, it was but it was all done in like it was all done in this. First of all, drunk obviously yeah, it was all yeah. done in this drunken, but also like this sad, like camaraderie right. that everybody yeah. had, right? Like not only could you hear in the stadium, the sounds of things being removed from <laughs> the stadium, but it was also amidst just grown men kind of crying with each other. Like, right, oh, yeah. God, like just take these yeah. chairs and like, <laughs> there was no was, violence. Like what were you yeah. going to be violent about? It, it was more sadness than anger. It was right. like a that game was like a fucking funeral. What's this call it for what it was? That that's what that game felt like. It felt like a funeral. Yep. Hell of a time to be alive. Pain. 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 Chad's just oh wait, I just saw Chad smile. So I think Chad's good. I'm glad I think Chad's good. Hey Chad. <laughs> Send it to Chad. Uh yes. what what about you? What about you for like earliest Browns memory and favorite? He's it again. <laughs> depth conversation with me. For a solid forty-five seconds. We have yeah. a solid forty-five seconds. Uh, You're perfect. Well, to, to be completely different from anything anybody just said. Now, uh, my first uh, earliest Browns memory was uh, the '89 Metcalf game, two punt return, Steelers uh, victory. Uh, yeah, right. Awesome. I was Very different. I haven't heard about that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was seven years old, and I remember walking up. Uh, from the the media lot now, and my uncles were throwing firecrackers at the feet of Steeler fans. Like that's when I went. This is really cool. I should be a Brown fan. <laughs> and I guess my favorite. Um, God, there's, so, there's like so many too close to call type of those games, but. I guess my favorite one that I've been at was I was at the run William run game. And, uh, you know, I was in that end zone that he ran towards and I saw him break free and I went, Oh, my like, it just, it, it went nuts. And, you know, I was in college and we all grabbed everybody's plastic cup at the end of the game. Cause in college, that's. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. And yeah, you know, I went home. Right. With a, <laughs> I went home with a smorgasbord 
of souvenir cups and a Browns, uh, and, uh, Brown, the Browns headed to the score playoffs. and various <laughs> transmissible diseases. It's fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm excited for this yeah. one because, because our resident young guy on the show is Joe. Oh yeah. His earliest memory was week seven against the Cowboys this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a guy named OBJ. Oh. Yeah. He scored three <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. It was no fucking amazing, man. <laughs> no, mine's, mine's not that recent, but it's not old. Like, it's in the 2000s because I was a late bloomer with, like, just being a football fan in general. I was always a baseball guy growing up. Uh, but it was probably the first game. Well, definitely the first game I ever went to was Seahawks-Browns and uh i forget the year but Derek anderson's year the year that we didn't suck Uh, yeah so it was a good first memory and we won that game and uh jamal lewis had like four touchdowns and kellen winslow went off and uh it was cold i I just remember being absolutely freezing and saying this is insane why would anybody want to sit outside but uh, (laughs) then i discovered alcohol and now i get it so Very full circle. The funny thing for me is like uh, none of my like good memories of the Browns are like meaningful wins, right? Like uh, I I went to several meaningless. That's a pretty limited pool to choose from. I I went to like several meaningless games in the '90s. Sure, Uh, my first memory it was a game against the Jets. It was not the playoff game. It was a game against the Jets that I got drenched in beer, and I think I was like three years old. (laughs) <laughs> and my parents took me to the game and I got drenched in beer and I was like, yes, I guess I'm a Brown. Is this a baptism? This is a baptism. <laughs> I'm a Browns fan. Uh, but like every game I see, it's like, it's like, I don't know. In like 2003, they played Arizona and won like 51 to nothing. Right. It didn't matter. <laughs> it just right. was like, Hey, cool. We scored a ton of points. Uh, so my favorite in-person Browns memory is a loss. And it's weird as hell to say, but it's a loss. It, I don't, it was a Mangini year. It was the Mangini Jets game when it was San Antonio Holmes beat us in overtime. Oh, but it was yeah. it was probably the most fun game I have ever been to for the Browns. It was such a back and forth game. The stadium was absolutely rocking, and we lost. But yeah. like, I feel like my Browns. It, it like I don't know. I went to the 49ers game in 07 when we beat the when we beat them in the last week of the season, week 17, and then Jim Sorgi started for the Colts and we didn't make the playoffs. Like, yeah. and I remember around the field were like signs pleading, like please Jim Sorgi, right. like please get a win, and he didn't. Yeah. Uh, but Joe, I've got uh, the other one. Uh, it was a Jacksonville game, maybe 2009. Uh, and it was late in the season and it was one of the coldest games ever played at the stadium. And I went to the concession stand and I bought a beer and my seat was in the first row coming out of the tunnel, Ooh. like right there. It was right on that corner. And by the time, Oh God, don't drink wow. that fast. That is 5%. Uh, <laughs> by the time I got back to my seat right outside the tunnel, my beer was frozen. <laughs> and I was like, That's funny. This is, this is, is going to be good. Yeah. yeah, it's like a it's, it's, one of these days. I'm going to go to a meaningful win. It's going to be like, man, we that really set the tone for us. I just have never been to one of those. I've been to one in Tennessee. Oh uh, yeah, the, the comeback game against the Titans where they came back like 28 points. That was, that uh, was Hoyer, great. right? I was in uh, yeah. That was yeah. Blast. yeah, that's yeah. that's how 
the name of this pod, the not the same yes. old Browns podcast oh, yeah. was right. born. Honestly, that was the day because I was out on Cahuenga Boulevard in Hollywood outside the Browns backers bar and these <laughs> YouTuber vloggers that did a show where they went around to NFL backers bars. And that's, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that infamous video of me. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yes. how it starts. Yes. It's not the same old Browns. Anyone who says same old Browns, fuck you. It's not the same old Browns. Mm, I love it. And you were yes. right just eight years early. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a little correct. early, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, that was a good well, day, I, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, being in this, the new stadium for, this team and meaningful wins and everything because oh. everyone said, and I'm guilty of saying it too. The new place is not like the old place and you know, all that kind of stuff. And first of all, it can never be because the stadiums from back then, they were just built different. It was, you know, it wasn't built for revenue. It was just, I mean, that old place, as much as we all love it and revere it, it was a shithole, oh, man. I mean, it was a dank state right. with painted green dirt. I mean, it was Come awful. on, I missed the troughs. Okay. Urine oh, and everywhere. Troughs. <laughs> urine. But yeah. we loved it. And it was a true home field advantage because those, those steel roofs, the, the sound would bounce off and come back in and, and it was it was tremendous and yes the new place hasn't been and part of that is because of the way the stadium is built but part of it is because there really hasn't been anything to cheer for you give right. browns fans something serious to cheer for on a regular basis i'm i'm fascinated to see how loud it can be in the new stadium you know because we haven't had that well i'm guilty steven i'm guilty and i don't know how you guys are but i'm guilty of First of all, I don't think they built the greatest stadium on the planet. I, I, we no. all know that when they came it's, back, when they it's made a the basic bitch stadium, there's no doubt. Yeah. And they rushed it. And they rushed they rushed like 900 things coming back, which is why <laughs> yeah. a lot of things happened the way they did. The yeah. stadium is one of those things they rushed, but I don't know if you've been to a game in the last couple of years, they really have done a lot of good work making yeah. that stadium a little bit more yeah. fun. A little bit less of a cement. It felt like a prison for a long time. A prison with orange <laughs> chairs. Uh and it's not anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm with you. Like, to get that place rowdy and, uh, like, a, a full good season, oh, get out of here. I think it's going to yeah. be a blast. I actually haven't been to a game since, uh, gosh, what was it, 06. I think it was the 06 season the last time I went to a game. And I'm going to the home opener against the Texans, so I'm looking forward to it. So I'll I'll be on the lookout for all these little changes. What what, what have what have they changed that that makes it not feel like a prison anymore, Mike? What have they really changed? Uh, well, okay, so they've done a lot of work within the bowls, uh, yeah. As far as uh, the lighting, the signage, uh, obviously the scoreboards are new, or yeah, newer. Uh, th- th- it's funny how much of a difference that does make. Makes like, that makes sure. a difference. Sure. Uh, and then yeah. just within the bowl, I mean, the bowl still, when you're down underneath it still, you can't change the fact that it's just cement in like walls and stuff. I just think they've done a better job of uh, incorporating different stops, different areas. It just feels different. It's just, God, it's just they, a different feel. It's a little more comfortable. I like they've it. They've taken out, they've taken out some seats to make it to, to, and kind of put adjusted seating to where, you know, fans are a little bit more on top of the action. Sure. More to, to make it louder. For more noise. I'm looking, so, I'm looking yeah, forward it, to it. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm oh. super stoked. Yeah, last games I went to, I was there in, um, let's see, I was there for the overtime win against the Ravens. 
the Ooh. last, I think it was, yeah, it was Hugh because he didn't realize the game was over after we kicked the field goal in overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was you. And then I was there, I think it was that same year. I think it was later that same season. Um, or it might have been the, no, it was the Freddie year, I think, where we beat Buffalo. Uh, I was oh, there yeah. for that game, which was a good game, except for, that was the game we got stopped like seven plays in a row from the one yard. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we, we were dying because we're on the dog pound. We're like, you know, why are they throwing, you know, chub, 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 chub. And they gave it to him like four times in a row. He didn't get in. And we were like, well, then why'd you listen to us? We're drunk. Morons. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> this part of kitchens doesn't know shit. <laughs> really, you're taking advice from us. No wonder we're fucking losing. Good job. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny this year, guys, like, uh, before we get into like this year's Browns, this offseason has been really weird, hasn't it? Like compared to what we're used to, especially of this iteration of the Browns, this offseason has been weird as hell. Because what are we used to in our offseasons? Just weird shit happening, right? Drama. And outside of an unfortunate event happening with one of the coaches, uh, it's been a pretty drama-free offseason. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of like players complaining. There's not a lot of players getting in trouble. There's not a lot of comings and goings with players. It's very drama free. And I'm like, that doesn't make for a good podcast segment. Like, <laughs> Hey, this season, this, this has been good. Let's move on. So I thought let's get nostalgic for a minute and let's talk about some real fun stuff. Let's get nostalgic since 99 and think about how, how can we realize how good we have it right now? Well, let's look at some of the shit that's happened since 99 in the oh. off season oh. to show us just how far we've come. <laughs> oh, so I oh. made some notes. I don't know if you guys made some notes. I've got a couple things. Uh, like, yeah. first of all, uh, let's talk about the saga, the saga that was hard knocks and like yeah. what a ripple effect that had on everything. Because Hard Knocks made Freddie Kitchens the most popular guy on the planet because he was fighting. That was the that was the segment with Hugh Jackson where he then freaked out and said, this is my bus or whatever the hell he said. Yeah. Uh, You're not in this chair. I drive the bus. Yes. I, yes. That's whatever, right. Hugh. I'm telling uh, you. I, I don't know why there isn't a statue built somewhere to Devin Kajust and his magical stones. <laughs> Oh man! Right, uh, magical stones. I, I, I know how Hugh. I know how Hugh, Hugh conveniently forgot that Todd Haley was in the same chair at one point. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, right. the look on Haley's face during that scene just just <laughs> epitomized that entire last season of, of yep. what was going on behind the scenes. There. The I mean, that was it. Here? Jesus Christ! This is they're not writing a check big enough for this. Uh, and and here's what it set off. It set off one of the greatest social media things that's happened with the Browns. The Browns went, well, shit, we are never doing this again because of what a disaster it was. And then it like spawned this building, the Browns thing where they're like, you know, we're going to take this in-house. Right. We're not going to make a big God. deal out of it. And that's been phenomenal. Building the Browns is, is oh, if you're a Browns fan, must watch TV. Uh, but God, we all like when I saw the Browns were going to be on hard knocks, I got excited. I was like, cool, let's watch this. Sure. Me too. And it just like it, hard knocks impacted like three straight seasons of Browns football. <laughs> It, it did. Yeah, <laughs> it truly did. Yeah. yeah, that was a shit show. That was that that that. Uh, wow, pain. Well, I man. think I think it illustrated for those of us who pain. didn't have pain access Ugh. to the inside just how dysfunctional everything was from the top. Yeah. Down. Oh, that's exactly. what it showed us. You know, you go. Oh, why does these guys do this on Sundays? They're so disorganized. Well, this is 
fucking why? Because there's infighting and power struggles. You know, I'm driving the bus. Who's in control was more important than putting W's on the field to some people, you know? And, you know, the the analytics against the coaching and then this fight and then that fight. And you can't win. You you cannot win. You cannot consistently put out a good product if that's what's going on behind the scenes. I think more than anything else, it illustrated to the fans. And then I think eventually through our reaction as a fan base, um, it, it illustrated to the Haslam's that a sea change needed to be made. I mean, I'm not saying a, you know, a, a hashtag campaign changed their mind. That's right. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we now knew what was going on and the reporting sure. and stuff from the outside got more accurate as to the infighting and the backstabbing right. and who, well, why did this happen? Well, we know that this coach didn't like that coach. So this could be what, you know, so I think it showed that at least in part, at least in part, it showed the Haslam's that, Hey, you know, we need to, start over completely and we need to commit to one vision and to their credit as much shit as i gave them over the years and i gave them a lot of shit and they deserved it they did it and thus far they have stuck to it and i think if we get one more season of winning i don't think they're going to mess with it at all until the winning stops i think i give them all the credit in the world for doing a huge about face as owners oh absolutely uh, listen and 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 so to go backwards Let's talk about what led up to Hugh Jackson. Cause let's not, there's some, I think there's sometimes there's a little revisionist history. Yeah. I won't speak yeah. for you. I won't speak for you guys. <laughs> so maybe you guys were one of the few, but when Hugh Jackson got hired in Cleveland, it was a hundred runs. It was, it was a plus. It was oh, yeah, a plus. Absolutely. It was a home run hire. Let's yeah. talk about the stuff that led up to Hugh Jackson. Let's talk about, uh, remember the Chip Kelly going out to dinner for like nine hours at a time? <laughs> one and yard us, line. It was on the one yard line. Chip oh, Kelly. Yes, was it was on the one yard line. And all of us Browns fans are like, yeah, we're getting Chip Kelly. This is happening. Mm-hmm. They're just going out to dinner one more time. And it's going to go from 5 p.m. until 4.30 in the morning, apparently, until we hear anything. And that whole situation leads to the biggest weirdest domino effect of coaches that eventually leads us to Hugh Jackson. Like that whole saga was crazy. Yeah. Of all those coaches of Rod, Rob Chudzinski that has like, it was even in the press conference. If you go back and watch the press conference, Jimmy Haslam's like, yeah, um, we're going to hire Rob Chudzinski uh, (laughs) as the new head coach of the Browns. And then Mike Pettin, who is the one coach that I think we can all look back on and be like, uh, that guy didn't get a fair shake. <clears throat> oh, God, no. Oh, I think Chuck yeah. didn't get one either. I was actually no, kind of shocked sure. when they fired sure. Chuck. I was shocked. But, I mean, this is this goes back to what I was talking about. Part of the reason I, I – and I wasn't alone, but I gave them so much shit as owners um, was because from the time they bought the team in 2012, 11, whenever that was, until this latest iteration, it was like eight seasons, but it was – 10 head coaches, nine OCs, 11 DCs, seven GMs. Like, you know, I don't know. Those, those aren't the exact numbers, but it was, it was ridiculous. You cannot win like that, you know? So, oh. yeah, I mean, that stuff that led up to it was just – and then, of course, you know, the quarterback searches nonstop. It was oh. – January to March every year, was, it was like a carnival. <laughs> Because it yeah. was it was coaching search, uh, OCDC search, GM search, then the quarterback, and then we're going to get excited about the draft, and we all f- were stupid enough to fall for it every single year. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it was a, it was a it was 
it was a clown car from January to March uh, every single year for so many years. And that's that rather than the specific things. And there were a lot of specific things that were funny and some that weren't funny. But that's what I remember about the off seasons, you know, uh, and, and how why oh. this year, like you said, has been such a refreshing change. There's the only news coming out has been good news. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? This is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could even go to the off season after they drafted Johnny. I mean, immediately after who I, you know, it's okay. If people who wanted him, I understand why people want him. I didn't want him. I want, I wanted him. I didn't want, and I don't blame you. He was an exciting college player. I, I just, I went I just to Texas knew A&M. Yeah, there you go. Even <laughs> nice. more so. There it is. That. The Cleveland process for me. I'm too old. The Cleveland process. The Cleveland process. I'm too old. <laughs> you're muted. Joe, are you muted? Joe, you're muted. Nice. Yeah. This is I'm our first time podcasting. <laughs> well, I was making a lot of noise. So I wanted to mute before I did this. Have you seen this shirt before? I don't think so. All right. This is the Cleveland process. I think it's CLE clothing. I don't can't remember where I got this from. Anyways, it's the cycle of every Cleveland Browns season because it was like you're saying, it's like every single yeah. year it's happening, right? So you got hired coach, the draft training camp, home opener, first win, pretty good, uh, first loss, QB1 goes down, QB2 goes down, <laughs> hired coach, and then draft dreams, and then it just keeps going. That's pretty that's accurate. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, pretty damn accurate. I, actually, this is in the bottom drawer of a closet now because yeah. I don't need it. Yes. I don't need it. No, just you save it. Awesome. I mean, I mean save it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, 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 that shirt's amazing. I gotta get one of those. That, oh, yeah, that, I I love that. Because I think that Johnny Manziel offseason, the offseason after we drafted him, I think that was the one filled with most drama because you had half the fan base that was like, oh, no, he's fine. He's great. He's going to be fine. He's just a kid. Leave him alone. Just a just a partier. Then you had the other. I, yeah, I know. And yeah, the other half, like, no, he's a fucking idiot. What is he doing? Like, it was, you know, the swan. It was one thing after another. And the dude, Billy Jones. Yeah. See, see, and that was that was the capper. I mean, we had. I mean, just just in his off season after they drafted him, we had the fucking swan, the goddamn money phone bullshit. I mean, like, dude, it was one thing after another. Mary Kay's got to write about this stuff. People are like, ah, you're just trying to start drama, motherfucker. She ain't what like a dummy on a money phone. <laughs> and then to cap it all off, like you just said, this dude literally bails on the team, yeah. leaves, goes to Vegas a day or two before the game. With a disguise, a fake mustache, and a wig going by Billy. You can't make this shit up. I've never, I'm never right about anything. <laughs> ever. But I was even more right than I ever thought about anything than Johnny fucking Manziel. My goodness. Dude, yes. I was that guy. I was that guy at the bar. Again, I am a I'm a Dude. Texas AM Aggie. I I I, I watched yeah. him in college. I thought, all right. He beat, sweet. The game he beat bad Bama, man. He beat Bama. Beat him. Yeah. Yeah, his second year was great too. Great, he was great. I was that idiot at the bar. They drafted him. I was jumping and yelling. I was so excited. Aaron Gold Hammer, motherfucker. No, no, no. you won't. No, not in the same sentence, sir. Uh, sorry, Aaron Gold. No, but that, I, didn't, that, I didn't mean to call. I didn't mean to call you motherfucker. I'm sorry. No, please do. And two, just not Aaron Goldhammer. <laughs> one of those things is okay. One of those things isn't. Uh, two, uh, 
I don't think I've ever seen anything like getting named to the starting quarterback and then going to Vegas, having your coach find out about it, and then getting dropped to third string all in one week. Yeah. That all happened in the same week. Like, hey, Johnny, yeah. you just got named the starting quarterback in an NFL team. Maybe, like, take a minute and, like, practice. And go Somewhere over I still have the screenshot. Do you remember the it was either a tweet or an IG post that he put out on with his dog trying to because remember the story got oh. out. He, he's in Vegas. He's in Vegas. And he was oh, like, yes, oh, I'm at home with my with dog. And, you know, on the, and it, we found out later he staged it in the hotel room in Vegas. <laughs> I still have that somewhere. I still have the screenshot of that somewhere. So yeah. great. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, the, that I, I think the drama years, I think Johnny takes the cake because it was I mean, it was always some with this dude. I think I mean, I like again, I'm, I don't toot my horn about anything, but I was right about that shit. I even think you can go find receipts from my Twitter, man. If you got no life, you can go back and look. <laughs> And like literally in 2013, I my prediction was Johnny Manziel is going to be a mobile Ryan Leaf in the NFL. That's what I said. It wasn't even <laughs> all that mobile. And then and he turns out he's fucking more of a train wreck than Ryan Leaf. I was actually wrong. Dude, I mean, we should, all known cocaine we, in the should, we should qualify this by saying uh, he's he's an addict. You know, yes, I mean, yeah, we should. Yes, it's that's fair. Uh, and, and unless you've been through it or seen it in your family, you can't understand how Absolutely. powerful that stuff is. I yeah. mean, it, it literally controls your life. So I know, you know, uh, people like to still pile on him and stuff. And we're, we're here having some yucks and everything, but I don't think anybody's been mean spirited about it. There's no, I, I, so, I have no, yeah, I just anger thought we should to, say I have, that. Yeah. I have no anger towards Johnny Manziel. I just, I just like talking about the drama that he, was involved in while he was was, around and it was too it was it was was, dude it's legend it's things of legends bro yeah i mean come (laughs) on has any quarterback in nfl history bailed on the team to fly to (laughs) vegas and walk around in disguise and introduce themselves to billy but he came back the next day still drunk and threw for four touchdowns that that was what the raiders did in the stabler probably did but you know oh my god yeah Yeah, right fair (laughs) yeah joe namath right uh yeah, it, 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 it was two things. It was obviously the addiction side of things, but it was it was also that he didn't need it. Like he didn't need to be That's he didn't need to be a sure. pro football player. Yeah. He, he, didn't he comes it. from a rich family. He didn't want he, it. He didn't need it. He didn't want it. He didn't care. And 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 now he's out there trying to be a pro golfer, which is a thing. Uh, listen, All the drama. We won't spend too much more time on the drama, but it it wasn't like just Johnny. Like we had Kellen Winslow falling off motorcycles. We had LaCharles Bentley was going to like save the offensive line. And then he takes like a season ending injury and never plays again. First play of practice in that training camp. Wasn't that the deal? When they, yes. When they brought him in, like LaCharles Bentley, our line is saved. We're great. Everything's Uh, good. Nope. I will never forget. I will never forget being in an elevator with the late, great uh, Casey Coleman. Uh, and I was his intern at WTAM. Nice. And uh, yeah, really cool. And it was the <laughs> it was the snowy, awful morning that they announced the signing of Jeff Garcia. Mm. And I was excited because that's that's who I am just naturally. Like they bring a guy in and I'm yeah. like, let's look at the positives and let's sweet. This will be good. Again, this elevator with Corey Coleman at three o'clock in the morning. Corey Coleman, Jesus Christ. Casey <laughs> Coleman. 
Yeah, not Corey Coleman, but we could talk yeah, about how, him. Uh, Jason dare, Coleman. How dare you stomp on his poor grave like I that? I know, I know, awful. <laughs> I got in an elevator with this Browns legend, and uh, 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 I'm like, cool, they just, they're going to announce Jeff Garcia today? That's going to be great. He goes, Jeff Garcia sucks. This just set the franchise back like five years. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, What? And then, sure enough, I mean, they weren't like awful with Jeff Garcia, but he wasn't good. It just this, he was the a saga fit for that. The whole point of this fit. part of the conversation, what we have been through, oh yeah, in twenty-two years, let's just say twenty, because these last this last year was fine. What we have been through in two decades, n- nobody has ever been through this. The stuff that we are talking about, when you look at the drafts, first rounders. Barkevious Mingo, you we all we all sit back and talk about Johnny Manziel, and nobody ever forget. We all kind of forget to bring up Justin Gilbert. Justin Gilbert, right. I know Johnny Manziel was the quarterback and whatever. He was the twenty second pick. Justin Gilbert was the eighth pick in the draft, mm-hmm. and he never did anything, nothing. He like out of the league bad. Corey Coleman and. All of these, Trent Richardson and Brandon Wheaton. Oh, Wheaton mm. is one of the. That's the, one of the. the I was flag. even more mad at the Wheaton pick than than the Manzel at the time because he I was didn't forty. Eat. Yeah. <laughs> God. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, and ginger and and ginger. Um. <laughs> Any, but he did. It, Brandon Wheaton provided us with one of the great moments in Browns history when he got stuck under the American flag mm-hmm. <laughs> and his first ever game. Mm-hmm. What a perfect situation yeah. that was. And he threw, what was it, four picks in that Philly game? Was that oh, his first game? God. Something like that. Well, he never stopped. He never stopped. The, the left-handed pass against the Lions was one of my favorites. Ooh. Oh, That's, my God. Yes. Showed very good natural instincts on that. You know, yeah. That, Just, that was very, very Favre-like. I've always Whether, said that between the last two decades of just complete incompetence and the three previous decades that I was alive for of heartbreak like no other city has ever seen. There's nobody, you know, I have friends who are New Yorkers and they're like Yankee fans and stuff like that. Right. I, I always tell them you couldn't, you wouldn't last five minutes in Cleveland because you think you're like, Oh, it's been four years since the Yankees won us. I'm really four years. I can do four years without a title standing on my fucking head. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I have one in my lifetime. I'm 52 years old. I have one champ, one professional championship in my lifetime. I'll you know? be- I'll be 40 this year. I guess I may. I'm right there with you. Yep. Yeah, that's it. What? Yeah. Oh, God. And and it, I, was it, in, I was in freaking Iraq when they won it. So, you know, that tells you how far I had to go. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I was in I was in the career. I was out of the country, too, when they won it, which was unfortunate, Kuwait, actually. Shit. Yeah. But I was any not cool Kuwait. Cleveland. Any backers bar in, 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 in Iraq? None? No, no, no. Well, it, yeah, but it was full. There's a Browns Iran account. Yes, I was just going to say that. (laughs) That is very authentic, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's run by some asshole. Yeah, he's definitely a jerk. And I I will never say it's me, but I will never deny it's me either. (laughs) Uh, uh, Breaking news here on the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, We have another local celebrity from Browns Iran. Uh, (laughs) uh, All right, so let's transition. 
that a, a lot of crazy shit, a lot of shit that we've lived through, whether it's the heartache of the eighties and the nineties and leaving. Oh, I meant to say before my favorite Browns memory is not even a Browns memory. It's a Ravens memory. Steve Everett is my favorite Browns player or is my favorite all-time Browns player because he ran out of the end zone or he ran out of the tunnel first game with the Ravens with a Browns bandana on mm-hmm. and like, Oh yeah. Legendary iconic status. That is one right. of my very favorite yeah. things that's ever happened. Uh, really good player too. He's a beast. Yeah, he was. Let's, let's do a transition though. We did a lot of these draft things. I, I also wrote down names like, I remember trying to talk myself into Leon McFadden or like Brian. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But then this year's draft happens. And, and and I will, I will give you, first of all, Steven, a lot of kudos. I watched a lot of what you guys did for your draft coverage. Mm -hmm. It was fucking crazy. Like you guys are animals. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Animals. Just the, the amount of coverage and, and stuff that you provided was incredible incredible uh you and your your group over at the obr that was awesome uh but let's talk about this year because i you know who knows who knows what's going to happen we don't know what the results going to be we don't know if anthony schwartz is going to be any good i salivated over tommy togi i forever and he winds up on the browns and i I, who knows if he's going to be any good or not but the perception here is oh shit like we we know how to draft now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> his name was Andrew Barry. And we two know good, two good ones in a row, man. Two real good ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Just talk about just your, your feelings coming after. Like it, it, again, as a Browns fan, you're always kind of waiting for that next shoe to drop. Of course. Right? Like what? Oh, okay. What's going to suck about this? Like which of our draft picks is going to get like arrested three minutes after the draft right. and be ineligible or something like that. And, and like, just, it's not happening this off season. What are you guys, how are you guys feeling now? We've, 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 come away from the draft a little bit. Are we still just feeling the excitement that everybody was feeling on this electric weekend that happened here in Cleveland? Well, I think if you're a lifelong Cleveland, a Cleveland fan for more than five minutes, I don't think anything, maybe if they win the Super Bowl, it'll go away. But short of that, I don't think anything will ever take completely away that feeling in the pit of your stomach. If you remember when you were kids, you watched cartoons, there was a lot more people that had uh, grand pianos and anvils dropped on them from ropes from four stories high. I thought when I was a little kid, that was going to be like a serious problem when I was an adult. Cause it happens all the time in cartoons. Right. right. Um, and so you're always waiting as a Cleveland fan for that grand piano to drop on your head out of nowhere. You still, I, I'm still waiting. I'll text Jake every so often and be like, you know, how long till, you know, they announced that Baker has a disease that nine people on the planet have or something. You know what I mean? Just something ludicrous. Right. But, you know, the logical part of your mind takes over and you're like, they're, they're on a good path. Finally, you know, they have a roster. They're not trying to build the roster from the ground up. They're adding the final pieces and they know which pieces to target. And they've done it two years in a row in free agency and the draft. But, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, and Andy and I talked about this on the pod a couple of days ago, you can't grade the draft. Right. players for three years you can grade the draft that was he a good pick is a different question than does he turn out to be a good player because you know yes. does, was he a good pick is about value and perception and his draft profile and what you thought before the draft it's kind of like a poker you know thing you, you play the odds you know sometimes the odds don't work out in your favor but if you play the odds enough eventually you're going to have the biggest stack at the table and i think that's what they've been doing here so i'll let i'll let andy talk about his uh, perceptions but i was thrilled i was thrilled up and down with with the draft the way it went this year yeah i i i was impressed 
Well, just not even just outside of the draft. These last two off seasons uh, that Andrew Barry's been at the helm, you got the his year one. It was revamping that line, oh. offensive line, and then this this off season was all about revamping this defense. How he has transformed. When now, granted, the defense hasn't played a game yet, but I think we can all see that there's some better players on that defense. <laughs> um, but as far as the draft goes, thing that uh, that stuck out to me is really with the first two picks because. He showed discipline by not moving up to get Newsom. He was smart, had everything mocked out, and obviously their 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 mock boards were were dead on. Um, he was patient and showed discipline and let the player come to him. That that first round reminded me of so many Ravens and Steelers drafts. Mm, yes. Picking, oh, yeah. picking, yes. picking in the 20s, uh, mid, mid to late 20s, and this defensive stud would just fall in their freaking lap. It kind of felt like that happened right. to us a little bit, so that was great. So he shows discipline yeah. by not – you know, moving up and just standing pat and trusting the board and trusting their mocks and their research. But in the second round, he's a great, he's still a great, he's, you know, he could, he didn't stand pat. He was aggressive. So what, basically what, why, why I'm so impressed with Barry was how he switches gears and, and how he was able to be disciplined on one pick, but be aggressive on the other and I like that. And that, that, that means he's just not like a one trick point. He's like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, be passive. And no, he went and got his guy, JOK, in the second round, moved up the, how, what was it, seven spots? I think they moved up. So, you know, it's like, I just, at the end of the day, I, I think it's just, the guy's so freaking smart. Like the guy, like the guy has made me re- reevaluate my life. He's five years younger. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 comp, the, the competency is so refreshing, isn't it? Yes. The competency yeah. of this gener- is so refreshing. Like, I mean, we just talked about it. Are you, do you guys have full confidence in Andrew Barry now? Or like we said, are we just waiting for the other shoe to drop? Like, are you still have that feeling in the stomach or does he, or does he have your full confidence? The logical part of my brain, he has my full confidence. The OIC only in Cleveland part in the pit of my stomach. (laughs) Like I said, I don't know that that ever goes away until they win a Super Bowl. It's always there, but I know logically that I shouldn't listen to that little part down there, but it, it's still there. But I, and I think the reason for that, Andy, is, is part of, at least part of it, is because of what we talked about earlier. The Haslams figured out they had to have a unified vision. And all those words that yes. everybody argued about on Twitter after Barry was hired, unified vision, you know, everybody rowing in the same direction, all blah, blah, all those. But those mean something. Because if you don't have everybody moving in the same direction with the same vision, the same thought process, the same goals, the same parameters, the same guardrails, if you want to talk about it in those terms, everybody use that term in the draft cycle, then you, you can't have the discipline to do what they did. Everybody needs to be on the same page so that when Andrew, you know, hey, shit, should we take this deal? The other guy knows. You know, nope, nope, I think right. we're okay. You know what I mean? The, everybody's on the same page. If, if all the oars are not rowing in the same direction, the boat goes in circles. The boat went in circles for two decades. Now it's going in one direction because all the yeah. oars are rowing in the same spot. And I think that's a huge part of what you just talked about, Andy. Well, and, and, and yeah, what yeah. they and what they did with like like the guy that will I don't know that and I don't think that he really even wants it. The guy that I don't think will ever get the credit that he deserves is going to be Paul De Podesta. Like, oh, yeah. oh I don't you're know. So right. 
I think You're there's so insiders. Right. You guys might work with one, two, a couple of you, maybe, I don't know, on the OBR. We're not insiders. I'm a guy in Avon. I don't fucking know anything. But I, I think if you talk to some of the insiders, to what Paul DePodesta actually did mm-hmm. to set the framework for this is how we are going to do this. Remember, Paul DePodesta is the guy. Right. When they hired Freddie Kitchens, he was the guy in the background going, you should probably hire this Kevin Stefanski guy. <laughs> like, that, this is the guy you should hire. Well, and they, they didn't listen. Ball when they hired Hugh, too. So, right. you know. Right. It's, uh, I, I think he, to me, is the guy that I think got Haslam's ear and went, this is how we have to do this. And from there, once Haslam said, once other people were out of the picture and Haslam said, okay, and he put in place Barry and he put in place Stefanski. And then the crew that came along with that, uh, what I like, again, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know. What, to, yeah. what, what do we do? Like, and I think, and Steven, I think, I think right. the other thing, I think one of the shames you've talked, yeah, right. What do we do with our hands? Uh, <laughs> we've lived it in Cleveland though. If you yeah. win a championship in Cleveland, how do you ever get fired ever for any right. reason? <laughs> if you win a championship in Cleveland, go live like Johnny Manziel. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah. You yeah. Keep your job. And well, unless Dan Gilbert's your owner, unless Dan well, what happened with the Cavs? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, David Griffin got fired. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like David yeah. Griffin and Ty Lue both get fired. <laughs> right. Get out of here. You can make arguments yeah. for maybe Ty Lue wasn't the guy for a young right. rebuilding team. Whatever. He got fired. Yeah. He won a championship here. The guy right. should have a statue. Yeah. Mexico, Missouri should get like shoutouts every game because of Ty Lue, <laughs> and they don't. And he got fired. So that's that's part of that. Like, what's going to happen in Cleveland? Like, wh- we're going to get one minute away from a Super Bowl championship, and then we're just going to forfeit or something. Is yeah. going to happen? So yeah, it's it. But again, the unified front of everything has been spectacular. And you guys brought up the off season, or I'm sorry, the the free agents, and this defense, man, mm. a defense that weirdly, mm. especially towards the end of the year last year, weirdly kind of made plays when they needed to as bad as they were most of the year, they kind of made plays when they had to. Right. Uh, to add, you know, to add these guys, Troy, we had Troy Hill on the show. Troy Hill, John Johnson, the third Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> Have you right. guys seen pictures of him in Brown oh, stuff? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a huge it. human being. Oh, God, and, and and I don't know how good he's going to be, but and then you talk about these guys who are getting back, right? Andrew Billings opted out last year. Everybody kind of forgets that, but he was supposed mm-hmm. to be a piece on this defense, and he wasn't. Yeah. Grant Delpit, they showed a picture on Twitter of Grant Delpit standing next to Greedy Williams today, and he mm-hmm. was like seven feet taller, <laughs> and he just looked like a giant man, and I was like... And Greedy, greedy ain't small either. Right. <laughs> like, it just, this defense, we've talked a lot about the offense on this podcast because nothing changed. Like, right. When was the last time? When was the, I don't has there ever been a time since '99 that the Browns have had an offense just come back? Nope, because nope. that's this year. The offense no just to. came back. Yeah. No why change here. Look back at some of those offenses. Why would you? You know, yeah, right. why would you yeah. ever return? <laughs> Absolutely. Some oh, probably wanted to come back, and they were like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. "It's up to you. Why don't you stay in Nashville?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can find a cheap flight, but we're not we're not footing it. You know? Jim Pine is <laughs> like, "I'd like to still be the right guard," and they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> uh, the, the just the cohesiveness and 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 the continuity. Well, is, we're not doing anything for the next few years. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's that that to me. The the fact that they just said we're bringing this offense back and that we're going to revamp the defense, 
uh, crazy. The one guy that everybody's talking about, right, is OBJ. Everybody's always going to talk about OBJ. When you've got OBJ on your team, he's going to be the guy everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. How important everybody's talking about how great he looks, right? Everybody's talking. That's what these guys do. I don't know why we always why do we always act surprised about this? <laughs> Elite athletes, and then they'll like tear their ACL and they'll come back freakishly fast. And everybody's like, "Can you believe how fast he came back?" And they, they all do it. Freak athletes yeah. do it. Uh, how important is that guy to this offense? Critical. I mean, I think we saw it last yeah. year. Um, how many, you know, and, and, and I got argued with endlessly that they, they don't need speed at wide receiver. They, you know, look how many guys they brought in after he went down from Marvin Hall through the rest, specifically yep. because they were fast, because that was the element we were lacking. I mean, look at the Kansas City game that. The Kansas City defense, oh. I hate to say this, they were oh. basically la- there was no respect for more than 10 yards down the field. None. And there shouldn't have been. Uh, you know, I mean, Baker, I, that was one of the best games he's ever played. And he, he was thrown into windows that were like this big. Yeah. And he was threading it through there, which was amazing. And then you turn around because of, you know, injuries and COVID and everything else. Our defense was just, they had no chance. When Mahomes was in the game, he's throwing to guys that are five, six, seven yards open, literally five, six, seven yards open. You know, the difference in the difficulty between the two quarterbacks in that game was just ridiculous. So I think if there's, I said as far back as December and January, Andy, you remember this, we had a conversation about it. You could tell by his tweets and IG posts and everything else, Mm -hmm. Odell was furious that he missed that one. He was hot because he gets a lot of shit and some of it he brings it on himself. But I really honestly believe a lot of his problems in New York were that he is an ultra preparer and wants to win. And he didn't feel like everybody else cared as much as he did. And so he sort of pulled back into his shell and the New York media will eat you alive and all that kind of stuff. So I really think he found, he saw this past year, a locker room full of guys with the same mindset that he has. Winning's the most important thing. I'm, I, I don't care. I'm doing whatever I got to do to get a W this week. And then we'll worry about next week. And he was furious sure. that he missed it. So I told uh, Andy as far back as January, Odell's going to have a monster year coming up next year. And people have argued with me and I may be wrong. I've been wrong before, yeah. but I think he's going to be an absolute destroyer of worlds. And then you throw in Anthony Schwartz on the other side. So he's not the only deep threat. And Schwartz is going to, we talked about this the other day, he's going to be limited in what he does as a rookie because he only runs a few routes because of a lot of stuff at Auburn very limited him. But you can't teach a legit 4-2-5. You can't teach it. At minimum, he's going to be taking somebody 40 yards down the field so they're out of the play, you know, and then that gives everybody else more room to operate underneath. So I think Odell is you know, outside of Baker is probably the key to this offense as far as taking it from being really good, which it was last year to being devastatingly great. That's what I think is at least. Yeah. Yeah. Where where did you guys, where did you guys come out on the whole Baker is better without Odell on the field argument? Oh, where where did you guys come out on that? I think, (laughs) I think it's probably, yeah. I mean, I never really understood that because how does, an elite wide receiver right. with with OBJ's <laughs> athleticism and speed 
not help a quarterback like how like and i get it i think at times yeah i think baker was maybe forcing the ball to him but that's not that doesn't mean he's better without him on the field no and i know right. the stats were kind of skewed after obj went down i know this uh, baker went on what uh what was it 16 and 2 16 touchdowns yeah. two picks or something the rest of the way and i i think it's more coincidental than anything yeah. I, at the end of the day th- this whole offseason was was about Everything Andrew Barry's done, the Browns have done, uh, was about what, what the theme that screams to me, and I told Stephen this a couple times, it, and Stephen knows this, is, is speed and versatility. That, yep. That's that's what this whole right. theme of this offseason has been about. And what does OBJ do? He's got speed and he's versatile. He's a great route runner. He can run the go route. He can make his living across the middle on crossing routes and slants. He does all types of stuff. He's such a unique weapon at the wide receiver position. So yeah, I definitely come out on that uh, side of no, the Brown Baker Mayfield and the Browns are better with a healthy OBJ. He's just got to stay healthy. That's it. That's well, it. And the funny There's thing is with so many unmeasurables to have somebody like OBJ on the field. Oh, yeah. like, you're oh, not yeah. going to measure every time Absolutely. they don't throw his way. Right. But he's yeah. pulling, you know, double coverage almost every time he's running downfield. So it's like, yeah, you know, you can't measure that in a statistic, but he's having a huge impact on the offensive game plan. The but here's defense the thing. knows where Odell is every single yes. snap. When that helps the entire offense. Yes. When you yeah. have these guys on your team, when you have Odell Beckham, and Jarvis Landry, and Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt, and everybody else that's on this offense. Even a freak who I want to talk about for a second in David Njoku, because I think he came on to just start to be that guy that we think he can be at the end of last year. I love him. Hold on a minute. Uh, When you've got all these guys on your team, Odell probably ain't going to have 1,800 yards. And if he does, something might have gone wrong. Right. Like, <laughs> like something might have gone wrong if Jarvis Landry has 600 yards and Odell has 1,800. You know what I mean? Like, or, yeah. or, or if that running game isn't popping off and Odell Beckham's killing it, but nobody else is. The fact of the matter is if Odell, maybe he gets 1,000 yards and Jarvis gets 800 yards and Nick Chubb runs for 1,400 yards because he can and Kareem Hunt does his thing. When you're on an offense like this, and I think these guys have bought into it, which is that's oh, the absolutely. best part of it, yes. including Odell. Yeah. Uh, I yep. think they bought into the fact that I don't care if I've got 800 yards receiving or, or 1,600 yards receiving. If we're playing together as our part and doing what we do, we're going to be phenomenal. Anthony Schwartz, yep. I said it from draft night. Again, we, we, you have to look up to the Chiefs. You have to look up to the Chiefs if you're the Browns. That's the team you got to get past. To me, he's very Miko Hardman. He's very oh, – yeah. He's not the refined route runner. He's not the, but man, Miko Hardman makes plays for that Chiefs team, right? He makes plays. They get him the ball in the backfield. Yep. And then all of a sudden you find him like in the corner of the end zone, just wide open. And like, he's just out of nowhere. If they can turn him into that. And that's where the Browns, we talked about Josh Cribbs before. And that was always my complaint about Josh Cribbs. They never knew what to do with him outside of just letting him kick or field punts and kicks. Mm-hmm. They never knew what to do with him. Put him in the wildcat. That's not creative. Everybody knows what's happening. They never knew how to get him the ball to let him make plays. If they can figure out, and obviously if you don't have full faith in Kevin Stefanski now, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. But (laughs) get get Anthony Schwartz the ball. It it may only be a couple times a game. Get him the ball in in the flat. Get him the ball in the backfield. Send him deep a couple times. Don't even throw him the ball. It doesn't matter. 
That right. guy can create things for you. I, I think we finally, we don't, we saw what happens when Freddie Kitchens was over his head with a lot of talent, right? Ton of talent on that team. He was over his head. I think we finally have that group of people that understand how to get these people involved in all kinds of different ways. And you saw it with Stefanski last year. That's the most exciting part for me is, is they, it's not just the creativity and the nonsense. It's not just, Oh, we might see every once in a while a flea flicker and that's really cool. It's like they actually get how to get these guys involved. And I think that's the key with Stefanski and is, is he, yes, he has a system. He has his preferred things, but whatever's working is what he's going to do, you know? And he showed that last year, you know? Um, And I think as far as specifically how that relates to Schwartz as a rookie, uh, he may grow into something a couple years down the road, but as a rookie, uh, a, like you said, this, just the speed, J- drag two guys out of the play. Cause they have to respect your speed. Take them that down there. And then we'll dump <laughs> yeah. it to Nick Chubb in the flat and Nick Chubb one-on-one against a linebacker instead of four defensive backs, because they had to honor Schwartz down the field. That's one thing he can absolutely do. But uh, if you watch his college film at Auburn, because of their quarterback inconsistencies, Ugh. and I'm being, I'm being very nice, um, Super very nice. They had to figure out yeah. ways to get right. him the ball. So if you watch him, he, d- he's already experienced, in the in the jet sweep yes. or the orbit motion he knows the timing on those kinds of things and his kind of speed andy and i just talked about this the other day it not only separates vertically but it separates horizontally which is huge imagine him and you know I, and i'm really generalizing here a bunch formation and they move people around and they get the matchup they want and again he's on a linebacker or he's on a bigger kind of slow strong safety somebody that's you know not their top corner whoever it happens to be and you drag him eight yards across while the other guys are flooding a different zone he's going to leave that guy in his dust so now baker's got a very easy eight yard drag throw that he can turn into a 40 yard play you don't necessarily have to throw the ball 40 yards in the air to get a 40 yard pass play when you have speed that threatening and he's got yeah threatening level speed so at minimum i think that's what he can do as a rookie and as far as his route running stuff that you mentioned which is absolutely true he needs to really needs to tighten that up and he needs to expand his route tree who better to learn that kind of technical stuff from than odell and jarvis landry they're great whatever you think of their contracts and all that kind of stuff they're precise in their route running they know how to prepare they're tremendous route saturday guys you know? look at this this wide receiver we're talking about these wide receivers we're cutting and, and like I just kind of got excited. I just kind of got excited yeah. like over here because there's these other guys we haven't even talked about. Richard yeah. Higgins. It's a really good fast, room, man. He's, he's not the fastest guy out there. He's not the best wide receiver on the planet. He's really good, though. Knows how like to get open. And now they're talking about. Yes. And, and now you're talking about Baker Mayfield comes out today and goes, you guys should see what Donovan Peoples-Jones looks like. Oh, yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about DPJ. They are almost certainly going to cut JoJo Natson. They're going yeah, to cut yes. Derek Willies. They're going yeah, to yes. cut Ryan Switzer. I, I mean, Ryan. they're they're going to cut at least three, probably four guys who will get significant snaps somewhere else in the league, which is a far cry. I mean, we were talking about all the shit we've yes. been through. I mean, remember when we, the week after the last – 
play our uh, preseason game, the waivers every year. It was like, okay, we got to find a starting right guard. we got to find two wide receivers gotta, and they have to start in six days, you know, and now Who's left? we're cutting guys that are going to start someplace else. It's, it's bananas to see how far this team has come. Yeah, in two years. The Browns used to cut guys and you would immediately see them selling cars at Serpentine. <laughs> right. Like that's immediate. Like, well, shit, I got cut by the Browns. So yeah, I gave it my best. I'm coaching at my old high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now, now they're going to be cutting guys who are going to be getting scooped up on the waiver wire right away. I would yes. imagine that we're going to see more than one trade at that during that week. We're going to be yep. trading for these guys that we're going to cut because other teams are going to want them. Teams lower yep. down on the on the waiver wire, and so we may get. You know, let's say they, uh, you know, pick a position. I don't know. They're not happy with the depth at uh, defensive tackle. I, you Safety, know, whatever. yeah. Whatever. They, so they, they, they've signed 40 in the last six Well, weeks. I know. I know it's not them, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Let's say they, you know, some other team has a DT they're going to cut and they need a wide receiver. So we'll do one of those player-for-player player swap things. Or we'll, or the other thing is, yeah. and this is fun to think about with Andrew Barry, we will stock up on fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks, right. maybe a fourth-round pick something like that and because we're cutting rosterable players it's it's crazy to think about but you look at the numbers in the wide receiver room the defensive tackle room the edge group uh, the offensive line group there's just not enough room they're just they're going to cut people in those spots that are going to yeah. play someplace else and play a lot well guys it's it, yeah. here's here's the thing here's the thing i'm I, this is what i can't stop thinking about who's getting cut Right. Which and, and not just not these. Right. Jojo Natson, Ryan Switzer, guys that can play. Right. Good guys players. that can play. But but like, uh, OK, you know, like when you look at this wide receiver room and Ryan Switzer gets cut, you're like, dude, I, no more, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. He seems five like years, a great dude. He went through the whole. Five years ago, we'd have been burning down our Browns Twitter timeline. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lighting that shit on fire. Now you look around. and. Which players, uh, which players do you guys see getting cut that it's going to be like, whoa? I think there's an obvious one that everybody brings up. Uh, well, 51, I will be. And I hate to say, I've said this for three years. He puts in the work. It's just not there. He tries. He busts his ass. He loves Cleveland. He wants to be here. I think it's far more likely than not that 51 is, is gone. Mm. Um, for several reasons, not the least of which is the linebacker room, which we all argued about endlessly, has uh, is another spot. There's just too many guys. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're and not if you're, all going to make it. And if you're photoshopping your biceps on Twitter, that's an automatic release. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, uh, I've been doing that for years. <laughs> <laughs> on, Look at these. Not things. on Tinder, on Twitter. Yeah. Listen, my wife doesn't know about that Tinder account, okay? So it's back off. Uh, <laughs> my wife got me one for Christmas. She's like, hey, will this keep you from crawling on top of me? Go for it. You know, I don't want you around here. Uh, that goes back to those new balances you were talking about before. 25-year-old Tinder girls, look out. Uh, no, it's it's, but that's that's crazy, right? That that linebacker room, that, that linebacking group was bad last year. And there yeah. were bright spots. Malcolm Smith right. played pretty well. Malcolm Smith was a bright spot. Taki yeah. Taki had his minute, has had his moments. Uh, I'll never forget. I was on a flight the day after they drafted Taki Taki, and I was I just randomly was seated next to a Brown scout, and I asked him, 
well, which which player should we be most excited about? He goes, he goes, Taki Taki's the guy that mm-hmm. I think is is the guy. Interesting. And I think it might be taking him a couple of years, but he he's making plays out there. Uh, you obviously you're you're bringing in uh, uh, free agents. Um, why am I Anthony Walker? Anthony, really Walker, good player, huge pickup. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, I just think I'm looking around and I'm thinking, okay, is Sheldrick Redwine going to be a Brown? I, is, I think I'd lean no. Is Mac Wilson going to be a Brown? Is uh, where else are we going to see? Look at look at that defensive line. Well, uh, yeah, the defensive line is there. crazy. I was, I was just gonna go there because I, I, Steve and I just talked about this the other day, and as I just mentioned a little bit ago, they've literally acquired thirty six defensive tackles mm-hmm. in yeah. last six weeks. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that. You know, free agents, draft picks, undrafted free agents. Um, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I don't. I, I gotta believe that Malik Jackson and Billings are safe. I would think, but but nothing's guaranteed. Billings, yeah, exactly. And and I know Steven loves Billings. And I, I actually, I was with Steven last year, that signing. I thought that was like one of the most under the radar signings yes. last year, but then he, he opted out and he didn't play last year. And then there's some picks floating online, man. He, he he's put big. on some, pe- he put it, he, he's bigger. Let's put it that way. We'll be nice. Large guy. He's, he, he was always a large guy, but he's good. Yes. From December 2019 to now, yeah, he he's a different man. He's a lot bigger. So, I mean, he's got time to get in shape. But that was a little alarming to me because, like, the Browns, there's nothing guaranteed with that player, even though I love the play. I literally thought it was the most under-the-radar signing yep. the Browns made last year. However, if this is if he is, like, actually out of shape and it's just not a bad angle of his body or something, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I, I, I think that's someone that, that I think that a lot of people aren't thinking about that might not make the team because I think that defensive interior defensive line is going to be one of the hottest competitions oh. in camp. Mm-hmm. Well, you I think, I mean, no, I'm just saying, no, you're fine. There's just a lot of play. I mean, there's a lot of, pl- a lot of good players in that room, dude. Lots. I'm not sorry you called me a motherfucker before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, not even all that sorry about it. Uh, uh, no, listen, I, I, I said it before the draft. I, we were out, we did our pre-draft show. I said the guy I want them to walk out with is Tommy Togia. Ooh, and, yep. and I'm I'm not an Ohio State homer. I'm a Texas A&M yep. fan. I'm yeah, not an Ohio yeah. State homer. You've, but you've proved this. But that dude, yeah, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck me, right? Uh, but that guy. Uh, change that defense at Ohio state. And if you can change the defense at Ohio state, you gotta be, you gotta be something. There's something about you that has yep. to be something. Yep. I think we've got a year coming up here where you're going to see some of these draft picks that don't make this team. All oh, right. I think, I think you're right. If you look specifically at the defensive tackle room, uh, I'm with you guys, I, Billings and Jackson, it would be shocking. I thought Jackson was a highly under the radar p- uh, pickup mm-hmm. this year. I think he's a critical piece, but both of those guys, that being said, they're on one year deals that aren't that bad if something right. goes wrong. So, uh, you know, uh, there's, I would be very surprised if those two guys don't make it, but it's nothing is guaranteed. Cause you look at the group behind them, Jordan Elliott, they really like, I love that pick last year. I'm with you. I thought Togia I was robbery where they got him. Um, uh, Sheldon day and nobody wants to talk about Damian square. Damian square is not Aaron Donald, but he is a solid, he eats a lot of snaps. He makes plays. 
He's good. Marvin Wilson. They gave him a UDFA bag. Yes. And nobody knows what's going on with Malik. Malik McDowell could be any. You could tell me that he's going to be (laughs) the number one defensive tackle or cut the first week of camp and Mm -hmm. anything in between. And I would believe you. So (laughs) one of those things will happen. Exactly. But I mean, right there, you're looking at what, eight guys we named? And that's what I'm saying. At most five, probably four. Four. You would think. It is so crazy. And and I think I think the most fun thing, and then we'll we'll get to I think kind of the last thing that we've got for you guys. The the I think the most fun thing is that I think it's gonna be a little bit of a a, a fun I like I think the defense is gonna be kind of non traditional, right? Oh, and yeah. I think they you've set this up that your playmakers are on that line and in that defensive backfield, and you've got some good linebackers. But even if you're talking about JOK that you drafted, that guy is a linebacker. Yes, but he's so good at what he does and so fast it's more of a that safety. he's he's a safety and a linebacker and he's a right. cover linebacker and he's a, a safety backer. He's, he's in everything. Yeah. Yes, he's, he's <laughs> they're, they're, the way they play defense is going to be so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to have you are going to have Grant Delpit and oh. you're going to have. Uh, uh, Harrison out there, oh. and you're gonna have uh, John Johnson. oh. yeah, John Big Johnson out there. Pickup. He was my those guy. guys are gonna be out there all at the same time. Oh, my how could you not have them out there at the same my time? My penis just moved. Oh. <laughs> it's been a long time. You're drinking oh. white claw, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what he's saying is it just came back out. It's uh-huh. fine. <laughs> but I mean, think about it. You think about it right now. The the obvious, you know, third and nine, obvious passing situations. You would think, at least at the start, it's going to be uh, Miles, Clowney, Jackson, Tack. That's your four. Now, yes. your defensive backfield is going to be the three safeties, Delpit, Harrison, uh, John Johnson, JOK, <sighs> Denzel Ward, <sighs> Greg Newsom. Oh. Troy Hill. Oh. We haven't even talked about Greedy Williams. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stop. Slower. Slower. Um, Slow on, here, here, here. Um, I've got I've got this thing of paper towels. <laughs> but I mean, you think about we haven't talked about the depth pass rushers. We haven't talked. We talked about JOK as the only linebacker. Yeah. We haven't talked about, uh, like I said, no, Greedy Williams isn't in that. I, the options that they have and the versatility that they have to disguise things. Now imagine you're the offense looking at that. You don't know where my miles can go inside. Clowney can go inside. Malik Jackson can go outside. Tack can go either side, although he's better over here. We all know that those yep. defensive uh, secondary guys, which only a couple of exceptions can cover outside. They can cover the slot. They can drop deep in zone. They can blitz. Yep. You have no idea who's doing what as an offense. It's the yeah. ability. I call it amoeba like the the ability to disguise and confuse. Even uh-huh. if it only buys you a third of a second in the NFL, that's all you need. need. That's yeah. all you need. Guys, where do you see Andrew Sendejo fitting? <laughs> I think the Colts are going to love him. <laughs> <laughs> so all this being said, right? Your offense is the same. And, and, and the last eight, I, we, we've, we've all talked about this. The last eight weeks of the season, this offense was elite. Baker Mayfield was one of the best quarterbacks in football the last eight weeks of last season. Like Better numbers than Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. was Baker Mayfield the last eight weeks of last season. Uh, you now have this revamped defense that has no, even if it takes them a minute, like here's where we are, guys. 
even if it takes them a minute to gel, they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. They're going to be yeah. good until they're great. That's where that group is unless their yeah. limbs start falling off. They're good right. until they're, <laughs> they're great. Uh, are, are we prepared? Like, are we ready for this? I don't think so. Are we okay I'm, with being like a Super Bowl contender? I don't think so. Yes, I, no. I'm ready. I think we'll enjoy it, but I don't think we're ready. I, we don't no, know what to I, do. How do we prepare for that? How are we? Don't we, got, we don't know how to be cocky. We're asking Nick Chubb if he's if he's like getting ready to be better at pass, catching passes in press conferences. That's mm-hmm. where we're at. Like, are we ready for this? Very yeah. loose use of the word we there, Mike. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of amazing that you're we're talking about Super Bowl, and we're not the only we're not deluding ourselves. Like no, it's, like we're saying things have to go wrong for them not to compete. Not that yes. everything has to go right for yeah, them right. to. Like it's the opposite of that. This so, isn't the 2008 season. You know what I mean? I got, oh, well, you bring, I got in a fucking almost a fist fight with a buddy of mine <laughs> trying to convince him that Muhammad Massaquan and Brian Rubisky were like the answer. <laughs> I was drunk in a hot tub in Texas <laughs> and I almost got in a fist fight with a buddy because he was like, you're delusional. And I was like, I'm fucking right. Well, you went to Texas. I love Texas. I, I, I've always had a good time. Every time I've gone there, great people, fun people. Um, but you answer me this. If you're drunk in a hot tub with Texas, isn't it required by law that you get in a fist fight? I thought that was like part Correct. of the rules. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was from Florida. So like Florida man. Oh, battle yeah. In a, yeah. I, shit. He so wore he a lot of jean shorts. And, you know, a lot of jean shorts. Florida man shit. Yeah. Okay. I, wish <laughs> George, I wish George would make a comeback. How, what are you doing? You're, you're wearing them right now, aren't you? Wait till you're 50. Anything you want to wear makes a comeback. <laughs> well, I mean, you never wear pants. You hate them more than you hate your wife. This is true. So I don't. This is wow. <laughs> wow, Mrs. Thomas. She'll, she'll never watch this. It's okay. At this point, she's one of our few watchers. She on thinks our I'm an actuary. It's okay. <laughs> she loves me. She loves me because I no. get to keep them away from her even more. This is now. true. This Why is would true. you think you're an actuary? I don't know. She, she never uh, listens to me. So all this being said, my last question, because I just thought this was kind of a fun thing to end on. We have been through so many. We've been through a ton of really good players with the Browns. We've talked a lot of the bullshit. We've talked a lot of the bullshit. But we've been through a ton of really good players. Mm-hmm. So think about this iteration of the Browns, this 99 to 2000. What's the one player, and you're not allowed to name Joe Thomas or Josh Cribbs. What's the one player where oh. you're like, I wish that guy was on this team? To add to this team? Like to take the spot of somebody else? Or? Nah, it doesn't have to be that deep. Okay. It can just be my, like, my, mine's so easy. If I can't, I can't have Joe Thomas nor uh, who was the other one? Oh shit! I should have said. I should have also said Phil Dawson. Oh yeah, that, you yeah, can't say Phil Dawson off the board. Okay, because that's well, that's that. Well, those that's are the answer. Answer. everybody's yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be everybody's answer. That's I'm, trying, answer, I'm, trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to. I'm trying to go a little deeper. Cody than Parkey? That. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to go a little deeper than no Chris Gardaki. Like he can't be like the only one good player that ever played for the Browns at that position, like Phil Dawson. Well, then I have to think because that was my answer. <laughs> of course it was. Of course, I should have. That was my fault for giving you bad notes. <laughs> well, I mean, if we can just talk about him for a second, I think we got spoiled for so long, like we did with Joe Thomas, with oh, um, yeah. uh, with Phil Dawson, Phil Dawson, in that if we were inside the forty, 
it was basically a guaranteed three points. And I think we all got sort of distracted from that because we bitched about how bad sure. the offenses were at finishing drives. We all, we focused yeah. on that instead of enjoying right. the fact that if we were inside the 40, probably 90% of the time we came away with three points. And that's, that would be huge for this team because when you're competing for a Super Bowl, right. so many close games, so many playoff games decided by special teams. But can we get like a specific yeah. season of a guy or do we have to take his no. whole? Oh, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you can do whatever you want there. Okay. Mine would be like, Alex Mack. Mine would be Alex Mack. I was going to say Alex player. Mack as well. Great player. I thought we need I don't him. Know, is he better than yeah, GC, nothing, against, nothing against Shredder, but I mean, I, I, I think Mack's probably the better yeah. player. Yeah, it's, it's not a replacement. It's not like replace yeah. JC with Alex okay. Mack. It's just like, I really like this guy. I oh, wish yeah. he was on this team. Alex okay. Mack. Um, for me. Then let's see. Uh, probably Hayden. Yeah, uh, would Ooh, have to be in the discussion. Either. He was really good, good for a number of years. Uh, if you want to go, if you could go with specific seasons, how about um, you know, obviously 2013 uh, Josh Gordon? I mean, who wouldn't want that yeah. uh, on their team? Yeah. Or even Jordan Cameron from that year? Um, or uh, maybe uh, Gary Barnage <laughs> from 20. <laughs> What was Perry? What was Barnish? 2015? What, that he had his yeah, big year? Something, something like that. that. It, it's all oh, one. God, remember that. One Car- blur. Carlos Stansby had one or two really, really yeah, good years as good a linebacker. For, how about, oh, here, here we go. For this specific team, this actually probably would be my answer because this is a spot we're unsure about. How about 2000 and. Eight Sean Rogers. I think it was 2008. Oh, his monster year with Sean Rogers was so good. Maybe. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, Just put him in the middle of this defensive line with the edges that we have, mm-hmm. and you know, make him yep. the starting guy, and then that would be that. Oh. Probably, probably either that if we can go with a specific season, but if we got to take a chunk of seasons, uh, it almost has to be Hayden, really. I think. Yep. So I'm going to go with just two of my favorite players. That I'm a little more. I'm going way early when they came back. Jameer Miller is one of my favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had a couple good years with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so good. And he was impactful, right? I don't mean to bring up a guy in a negative light, but I always bring up Dequell Jackson as the guy that would have 150 tackles, but they were right. all 12 yards down the field. Right. Like, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Jameer yeah. Miller was impactful. He was, a, right. he was an impactful player. Uh, really good player. And then the other one, and it's just, I hate when I think you've got a really good player that gets cut short because of injuries. I think Courtney Brown was really good. I think well, he had yeah. the ability to be really good. I think that 2001, when they, when they started getting good 2002, I remember watching him in that bears game that they lost in overtime. Cause again, all of my favorite memories are when they lose close games, apparently uh, Cordy Brown, I think was really good. And he just was effed by everything. Uh, yeah. Those were my two, my two picks. I love those two guys and would love to see him. Obviously, obviously the, the, the choice is Joe Thomas. Oh, of course. That guy, he's the greatest, literally maybe the greatest Brown of all time. Like, literally maybe the greatest Brown. Oh, he's, ar- yeah. he's easily top five, arguably top one or two left tackles in the right. history of the NFL. Right. You put yeah. him out there for a decade and forgot about it. I mean, that's how good he was. You <laughs> forgot he was out there. That's how good he was. Yeah. We got spoiled with that, you know? And, and there's nothing against Jed because I think Jedrick Wills is going to be really freaking good. Heck I think yeah. they're set at tackle for the next five years. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, 
literally, arguably, you could easily make a case he's the greatest left eye. I'm not saying he definitely is. Don't send me hate tweets. You know, there's other guys. That, there's other guys that were really, really good too. I mean, Jackie Slater, and I mean, name it. It doesn't matter. You know, but he's in the convers. He's in that conversation easily. Well, boys, this uh, it's been uh, this last part of this has been just like you. We've kind of we haven't thought about it. We've done a couple Olympic episodes. We've done some Indian stuff. We've done Cavs. We've done hockey. We've been Blue Jackets. We've kind of been off the Browns since the draft. Yeah. So it's been a minute since we've really talked about the Browns. And we got into that conversation of, of just like, oh, hey, hey, that offense is back. So just fucking forget that. And <laughs> and now here's this defense. And I, like they're there, boys. Like That's this is going to be. Yeah. We went 11 and five last year in the regular mm-hmm. season. With a shit ass defense that was like good enough when they needed to be. You ain't lying. And now look at them. Now you're adding a game, whatever. Uh, I don't know. Is this it? Is this the year? Are we feeling it? Are we ready to go out on that limb and be like, this is the year? I don't know if it's the year because the AFC is so stacked and it usually takes a contender a year or two to learn how to win at that level. And the Chiefs have already won at that level, you know? So yep. they, it's, just a game to them to us it's oh my god we're in the afc championship you know that kind of stuff so i think i think here's where i am with them assuming a relatively normal year of health especially at the critical positions you know baker goes down we're screwed you know something something like that happened relatively normal year of health i think 12 wins is more than reasonable 11 Mm. should be the floor 11 Mm. should be the floor Mm. a whole at least one home playoff game and i think Anything short of getting to the AFC championship game. I don't want to use the word disappointment because like I said, it is stacked. And if Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver, like Ben Albright says he thinks is going to happen. That's another team that's right there competing with them. We all kind of forget about like Buffalo and like exactly so many good and Baltimore on a Tennessee. They're really good. Baltimore. We're going to beat them. We got to beat them. We have to climb over them. The People Dolphins if on the is Chargers too. The Chargers could be the AFC's freaking stacked. But I think if you fall yes. short of the AFC championship game, it will be I well, I can't think of a different word. Disappointing, I guess. I, that's not the right word, but it, it, that should be the floor of the expectations, I think, is at least competing for the AFC championship. Yeah, I I'm with you, Stephen, because if if it, they come out in the like wild card game or Second round and get eliminated. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to yeah. be disappointed. When you be, let's say they they snuck in with 11 six record, lost in the wild card weekend. I'd yeah. be disappointed. Yes, um, for sure. So would that. But I mean, you guys were just asking, are we ready for this? And I was like, hell, hell yeah. And then Mike led it up with that amazing like lead up to describing like what what we're about to go through and no no, you're right (laughs) 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 bring me more pain (laughs) at least another white Um, one you need at least another white yeah Yeah. two three no that's uh, only what the fuck was your question again i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) who knows who knows uh, Joe, are you no, ready? I, I, am I ready for what? Just to this, are you ready? Do you, are well, are we prepared to be a real contender? No, no, because even though we were 11 and 5 last year, like it was still kind of like a cardiac year where it's just like, 
not an actual cardiac year, but just like stressful the entire way. And I, I kind of feel like this year won't be stressful the entire way. And I don't know if that's okay. So <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I might, uh, might not need any blood pressure medication. The best thing is the best thing is you could go right now. You could go online right now and wow. get the attention of like national people and be like, I think the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And you know what? Not a lot of people are going to argue with you. Right. I mean, they'll argue. They'll be like, Oh, the chiefs, but they're not going to be like, you're crazy. The Browns suck. Right. No, last year they would have said you're crazy. Right. Yes. I will. I will say this. I, I I think we're all in agreement here. There's a very good chance. We have a good, dare I say five year, at least three year window here. I think it's going to be more like a five year, but I will say, and I bet Steven agrees with me because he's really smart. Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, this (laughs) might be, it's hard to predict the future, obviously. But if that is a five-year window, it's quite possible this could be the most talented roster they have for that five-year window. I think that's possible because we don't yeah. know. We don't. Yeah. We don't know what's. We don't know when you really think about it. You know, OBJ, Jarvis, Ronnie Harris. They got to start paying people. Uh, Nick Chubb. I mean, these are all people that are going to be free agents here. So basically what I'm saying is the way the contracts have worked out uh, uh, when they come in the league and who's on rookie contracts, you're hell you're, you're starting quarterback still on a rookie contract. So this might be the most talented roster they will have over this five-year window. It could be. So good point. Maybe w- win that freaking thing now. Mm. <laughs> Just win it, please. You brought up please. that W word. You brought up that window word and we're Cleveland fans. So yes. I immediately think of the Indians and what they did. Well, as long as, well, yeah. as, long as Jimmy D aren't yeah. coming out and saying enjoy him to anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Dolan ain't running, running this show. <laughs> no. No. This is something. This is something that, uh, that Andy and I have discussed over the years. You know, people say, "Oh, should you go all in? Should you do this or blah?" Would you rather be good for a long time? I go, "Well, we have two examples right here in Cleveland." But yeah. Say whatever you want about Dan Gilbert. He spent his ass off to get that title. Okay. Yep. Sure did. And I rem- I remember vividly the Kevin Love Andrew Wiggins arguments. Should you know if you, oh, yes. you trade for oh, Kevin Love, God. you're you're gonna fuck up the cap in 2019. And I would say if they win a title, are you gonna fucking care about nope. the 2019 cap? And I don't, don't care. Yep. Don't care. Was, and I said it's that was, all worth it, completely worth yes. it. Yes. Or you have the Indians who've been good and competitive for how many years have never brought home a title. Would you rather have that? No. So. It, for the past few years, well, forever, really, but you guys are on Twitter, every year at the trade deadline, every year at the trade deadline, Browns fans, they need to trade next year's one or number next year's two for so-and-so or so-and-so. And you go, okay, I, I get why you're saying that. That guy's a great player, but is he, is he going to take them from four and eight to the Super Bowl? No. So then why would we do that? This year? If yeah, we get to the, the trade year. deadline yes. and they think they are – I pick a position, one corner short, one yeah. pass rusher short, one whatever short. This I'm not saying Andrew Berry's going to give away the farm. He will never do that. But it might be the year that a future two for a one-year rental yeah. might make sense. I'm not guaranteeing yes. it, but this uh, could be the year, and that's fucking exciting. Man. This, this is how the other is. side lives. Yes. This is how they live. This is what goes on in the dick. Give me a goddamn rental. Let's go. So, uh, you know, oh, it, there's so God, much I can't excitement. even sit straight. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Fucking shit. I don't know. Boys, uh, 
Steve, this has been on so much. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Mike. You I, just, I, I can't be with somebody who drinks white claw. I, I, I have interrupted Mike so much tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. And you called me the motherfucker early. I know. They will never have us back. We've interrupted them. We've dominated. Never. You're drinking white claw. We chased Chad off. I mean, for yeah, God's sake, they're never going to have us back. <laughs> Poor Chad. Chad's, Chad might be the best part of our entire show, too. And like, <laughs> just gone and he's the funny guy and we have the funny guys on and like oh shit uh boys this has been absolutely spectacular thank you for taking it's been a couple hours thank you for taking a couple hours to hang out with us again congratulations let's hit it real quick before you guys get off if you are not following get over there and follow at not same browns at not same browns it's the not the same old browns podcast now on the obr so you know they're legit unlike us they're legit uh, Browns podcast. <laughs> uh, totally kidding. Uh, Stephen Thomas, Andy Lytle, Andy at Andy Cleves with the underscore, and Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft. You guys have been uh, such a good time, uh, and exactly what we knew what was going to happen here. Uh, but we had a ton of fun with you. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck with everything, uh, and just remind everybody: when can they hear the podcast? When does it come out every week? All that. Uh, usually episodes will drop uh, somewhere on a Monday or Tuesday. Usually I've been dropping them on Tuesdays lately, but once the season starts, uh, I think episodes will, will probably drop day after the games. Usually no more than that. Uh, but we'll be dropping uh, one weekly episode. Like I always have been, you can find an Apple podcast, Spotify or your favorite podcast platform. And then additionally, starting on June 30th on Wednesday, June 30th, we're going to be doing an additional show for the OBR live on their youtube so that'll be so the, starting june 30th we're going to be dropping the normal episode which is like you know one to two hours long and then like a 45 minute uh, episode that we'll do live on the obr's youtube on wednesday nights at 7 p.m yes live with, stuff is coming. so yeah so lots OBR, of lot obr is going to be doing live broadcasts i'm not going to say every night of the week but most nights of the week Yes, we, we are going to be busy. We just can't announce the specifics because we're still hashing it out at this point. So, but it's coming probably around the time camp starts. Andy, isn't that where we're shooting well, for? My, yes, my goal Late is July. yes, like a very end of July to launch that. We're still, like again, we're still working it out. We don't even know where we're going to do it yet. We got to get some OKs here, OKs there, uh, and it's 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 a little bit of a process, but the. Either way, the live streaming is going to be extensive once training camp starts and into the season and through the season uh, on the in total OBR, not just Steven and I, uh, Jake Burns yes. and the, Cody, the whole Brad Stainbrook, uh, uh, Lane Atkins, uh, Barry, uh, everyone. So it's 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 going to be a group effort. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm glad they brought me. I've, again, they're out of their minds for bringing me over, but I'm not going to argue. So I'm here. That's what I and, said. Um, you yeah, you I, heard it here first, the George Kukinas Hour live mm-hmm. with Lane Atkins <laughs> every Friday. Every Friday. Every, every Friday. <laughs> well, guys, again, congratulations. Uh, we definitely, we love having people come back with us. Uh, and it has been so much fun having you guys on. And hopefully we can, we can do this again as the Browns are making their way towards the Super Bowl. But uh, congratulations again. Get over to the OBR. Follow these guys at Not Same Browns on Twitter. Follow them. Listen to the podcast. Subscribe to it. It is awesome. Uh, Andy, Steven, thank you so much for coming on with us. Go have a great rest of your night. 
Anytime. It was a blast. Go Browns. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And once again, big time thank you goes out to our special guest, Andy Cleaves. You know him on uh, on Twitter, Andy Cleaves. Uh, Andy Lytle is his actual name. Uh, Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft uh, on Twitter and at uh, Not Same Browns or Not the Same Old Browns podcast. Uh, they are going to do great work. They're two very entertaining guys that are going to put on a great show for the OBR. So go follow them as well. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. As always, we wrap things up with our three cheers of the week where we just uh, shout out something great that happened this week, some good news, some positivity to get out of here. Uh, and so I'll lead us off this week so nobody can steal it, but nobody's going to steal it. I just want to I want to cheer something that we have here in Ohio that if you're not taking advantage of it, you should be. But I spent the day today out at like Kelly's Island. Those islands out there, man, if you are not, I, I, I turned to my wife as we were out there and I said, imagine the amount of people that live close to where we live. It's like an hour away that just never go out there. It was like being on a whole goddamn vacation and we were only out there for like four hours. <laughs> it's you just you're on the island. It's sunny. It's beautiful. There's breweries and wineries and restaurants and. There's just a lot of sh- there's beaches. There's a lot of stuff to do. Whether you go to Kelly's, which is a little more my speed, or Putin Bay, which is a little more my speed, twelve years ago, uh, it's just a good time out there. So my my shout out. We have we've got a lot of great stuff here in Northeast Ohio, in Northern Ohio, uh, the islands out there, the Lake Erie Islands. I'm giving a shout out to the Lake Erie Islands. It was great. I'm sunburned because of it. Chad, what's yours? Oh, guys. I think I'm, uh, I was trying to touch on it at the beginning of the show, but again, uh, technical difficulties prevented me from doing that. Uh, so I think I'll give my cheers to uh, fast food fight videos. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, the one that happened in Ohio, right? In Ravenna. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. I, I was trying to tell you guys earlier, I went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out whether I liked like stadium and arena fight videos better or fast food videos better. <laughs> And I, I, I honestly think I enjoy fast food videos, oh, yeah. fight videos better, but just for strictly. I can see it. The the entertainment, because the reasoning, like this woman this morning, I just heard her. I, I swear to God, I heard. And coffee is cold. <laughs> she just started fighting. This <laughs> and. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, sure. When you get like arena or like stadium fight videos, you get some acrobatics going on every now and then. Like some guy will barrel roll down like four or five rows of seats. And, you know, that's that's entertaining. But like but like the reasoning behind these from a lot of these fast food fight videos is just awesome. And oh, so so petty. fast food fight videos. What's funny about that one is that showed up on like the Tennessee news. So that's how I knew it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, so, and kudos, kudos to the McDonald's employee. She kept her cool for as long as she could. And finally she just snapped. That's tough. Honorable mention in fight videos was the fight video that happened in Denver, Denver uh, nuggets, Phoenix suns fan. Uh, that guy was a hockey player, right? Like you guys saw the video. Uh, no, you didn't, didn't see the video? No. So essentially, standard bullshit, two drunk people in the stands in Denver yelling at each other. And they, they kind of come together and then they kind of separate. Well, this moron Nuggets fan who was in the higher ground row, which means he should have won that fight, 
this Nuggets fan is like, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. And then all of a sudden he just throws like a total cheap shot. And he throws a couple punches. Well, the Suns fan that he was going at, like legit, he had like pure hockey player vibes, grabs him by the jersey after he gets punched in the face, grabs him by the jersey and just starts chucking uppercuts <laughs> and like and like destroy this guy just yeah. this guy just kind of falls limp in his arm like just and then, and you know then yeah. Yeah, we don't condone the fights but like I I also like a good stadium fight and that was a yeah. good one That's where good it wasn't one. it wasn't bullshit it was like this dude got sucker punched from higher ground and then yeah. came back and won the shit out of that fight. No, so usually the fast food fights are much more like fun and scrappy. The stadium fights are usually just like not good form, honestly. Correct. <laughs> if we're going to be like really nitpicky about it, they're just drunk people like going at it. So if there was good form, this guy is just socking him with the upper, uppercuts, you know. Good form. It's good yep. form. Yeah. All right, Joey, what's your, what's your cheer of the week? Oh, nothing that fun. But I was going to cheers Andrew Barry. Uh, we've had a just an entire podcast talking about, well, have the podcast talking about how great the Browns are right now. And uh, that's just not something that we've had ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say since last year, but like we weren't like this optimistic last year. And like it's it's a weird feeling going into this next season and i just hope everyone stays healthy and that you know things go well i know my fantasy team's gonna be very browns heavy uh this year and we might pick up the defense this year it might be a big might be a big pickup this year so it'll be fun beating you again this year it'll be fun yeah yeah sure. uh all right, boys, that's going to do it. Again, our special thanks. Uh, before we get out of here, we always give our thanks. Our special thanks goes out to, first of all, our guests, uh, both Andy Lytle, Stephen Thomas from the Not the Same Old Browns podcast. Go find the Not the Same Old Brown, Browns podcast. Subscribe to it. They are now on the OBR, which uh, if you're a Browns fan, you better be you better be all up on the OBR. It's great. Uh, so go subscribe to them and check them out. A wonderful time with them, a hilarious time with them. And we look forward to talking more Browns with them, hopefully down the line. Uh, again, our thanks goes out to Belly Up Sports, our podcast network. Uh, Belly Up Sports uh, always helping us out, doing great things for us. And they've got other really, really good podcasts out there doing big things. So go check out the Belly Up Sports podcast network. And lastly, as always, our our last thank you goes out to you, the listener. Anybody that joined us tonight on the live stream or the listeners of the show uh, this week, uh, we wouldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you, as always, as as we will do. The last thing I'll do before I say goodbye, garagebeershop.com. Get over to garagebeershop.com. Check out Joey's hat. You saw Chad's hat. doesn't fit his head, but it fits his kid's head. Uh, that's awesome. The T-shirts, the hats. We've been shipping them out. We had Dom with us here tonight on the live stream. He's going to get his hat soon. Uh, but we've been shipping them out all over the state, all over the country. Uh, so get on to garagebeershop.com. Get yourself a T-shirt. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself both. They're both awesome. You're going to want them. Uh, and so go do that. So for Joey at Garage Beers Joe down in Nashville, Tennessee, for Chad over on the east side at Garage Beers Chad, I am Michael Keefe over here on the west side of Cleveland saying thank you for joining us, episode 69. Yep. And we'll see you again next week. Episode 70. Go Browns and cheers, everybody.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.